0: Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Bear Guys and Tootie Fitness.
1: Everything sequel contains explicit language, and why the fudge not, you melon farmer?
0: Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is an Indiana Jones edition. We're talking Dial of Destiny. My name is Michael Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, the man who hopes not to get shot nine times, least of all by me, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. What do you got for him,
1: Tom? Speaking as an ancient, going to the moon's like going to Reno. Middle of nowhere, no blackjack.
0: (laughs) I really like your Harrison Ford.
1: You know, I like one of those eight possible lines there. (laughs) I feel like uh, typical of this movie, instead of streamlining the content, they just... They just put all their ideas end to end.
0: Yeah, it's it's a bloated movie, to say the least. <laughs> yeah,
1: bloated was the word that kept coming to my mind when uh, yeah. when I was re rewatching it for only the, the second time. Right. Yeah. Here we
0: are, towards the end. We still got a pitch, but this is the last of the Indiana Jones movies, people. We're talking Indiana Jones and The Dial of Destiny. A 2023 film that's a pretty unwieldy title too do you think so it's not as bad as, as crystal skull but
1: no i i think it's fine i i, I don't like the con that i don't think it's unwieldy i think the the uh the content and the alliteration are my problem okay it. yeah
0: well this movie's directed by james mangold we've kind of talked around him in the other episodes uh you know buckle up i'm gonna talk for a while because i'm gonna i'm gonna list a lot of movies just because they're so varied yeah i really want to get people a sense of what we're dealing with here he directed copland kind of came on the scene with that girl interrupted kate and leopold identity Mm -hmm. then he gets into his prestige mode of his career with walk the line and 310 to yuma but then he does movies like Night and Day. He does a good Wolverine movie called Logan, but a bad Wolverine movie called The Wolverine. Yeah.
1: Never hear him shouting about that, do you? Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then Ford versus Ferrari. So it's a real varied career, isn't it?
1: It's certainly, yeah, it certainly is. I mean, I haven't seen Ford versus Ferrari, but given the the varied vehicle chases in this movie, yeah, um, right. it doesn't make me want to. <laughs> If that movie is going to be entirely vehicle, yeah. <laughs> vehicle based and this is this is how this is this the standard of um, of uh, vehicle sequences he has in his movies. I don't want to watch a movie that's full of them.
0: You're you're wielding your axe for me already. I can tell.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe uh, certainly on, on that front. And I said that before that um, I don't think he is. Uh, is able to handle action anywhere near as well as uh, Spielberg. Perhaps. Oh, that the we absolutely forces. agree. The I don't combined yeah. forces of Lucas and Spielberg. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it it is that's a no brainer. Totally different level. Yeah. Well, it isn't. It isn't. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna change director in the last movie when the action has been of such a high standard up to this point, um, it's strange to me that they would go with the director who simply can't handle that dimension of filmmaking.
0: See, I but I don't think they think of him in that way. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, they should. I understand what you're saying, but <laughs> yeah. when you look at his filmography and I guess really it's only the two movies. When you look at say 310 to Yuma and Logan, mm. I think they thought they had the guy.
1: But but then doesn't the Wolverine cancel out Logan? So in the end, you're it's still <laughs> you're still rolling the dice. Yeah, you could be right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and anyway. when you like when you add night and day to it, yeah. Cuz that that movie feels like this movie. Right. You know?
1: I don't know. And it, I don't know, I think and I don't I don't think because Spielberg and Lucas they started out as independent filmmakers and became mainstream studio sure. people. Sure. I just don't think you can make that adaptation with the 90s independent directors. Mm. I don't think... That seems to be the trend right now, though, right? It's like every... I don't think the skills are transferable in the way that they were in the 70s, and I think the studios think that they are. Maybe. But they're not. I don't think 90s indie directors have the skill set to handle big studio movies.
0: But it seems like every single indie director... That is thought of as the new find yeah. ends up directing a superhero movie. Yeah, like they put him right into action.
1: Yeah, and and most of the time it kills that career before it even gets started. Yeah. Well, for
0: all our talk about <laughs> this particular movie, and well, I maybe not our talk, but just the the general consensus, the public talk about what a misfire yeah. it was, uh, what a failure it was. Both critically and financially, this movie still has still has sixty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: Okay, did they just do that because it's set in nineteen sixty nine? Are they just like maybe it's just like we're tired of compiling these statistics? <laughs> let's just uh, let's just make it the same year that the movie was set.
0: But where where it gets sad is the money.
1: <laughs> well, I need you to educate me on this, because <laughs> word is out on the street that this was a flop, and I'm unable to kind of, I, I don't understand what a flop means anymore, so, so you're going to have to give me a financial education here. Well,
0: here's the problem, or the way I see it. It's budget. I had a budget
1: yeah. of just under
0: $300 million. It's $294 million budget
1: so they overspent on the budget and i don't think that accounts
0: for advertising which would be like another hundred million wow so when you have an opening weekend of 60.3 only take in 174.4 in the usa and then 383.9 in the world you know even crystal skull doubled that money worldwide
1: do you think that that there is a generational problem here
0: i do Because this movie is all nostalgia. Yeah. And it does, in that way, it does not, it's not programmed for a broader audience. It's not built for younger people. I agree. And it's funny because, you know, we've done the Spider-Man series and we talked an awful lot about, you know, this series is weird. It's (laughs) like they never stop. You know, we we go from Tobey Maguire to... Mark Webbs Andrew with Andrew Garfield, and and yeah. then we go right into <laughs> into this kid. But you know what's funny is in that last movie, because they did that, they were able. To, you you can argue yeah. to what success that was. Yeah. But they were able to use it in their story, and this that's, that's, with the with yeah. the with the gaping holes or gaps between the third and the fourth movie and then the fourth and the fifth movie it's not appealing to a younger audience and older people you know I, I I don't think there's as many people like you and me who will go out of our way to see films in a theater
1: they're like I'll wait right. agreed so especially especially when you know in advance it's gonna it's gonna end up on Disney plus although yeah it, to, it took a while and <laughs> and I think that speaks to the the kind of complicated box office situation where they felt like they had to they had to um like squeeze out eek out as much as
0: possible from from the from
1: the video on demand side before that they put it up for free yeah on a streaming service (laughs) yeah with a
0: note that says please buy this we need all the help we can get
1: pretty much yeah yeah and and you know i think I think the 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 generation that cares about this movie, I think you're right, are not uh, um, are not as interested in going out to the theaters and seeing it. And I just think, you know, it's also a case of the audience for this movie might be dying. So unless you mm-hmm. you show a way forward to a new audience, and you know, for all for all the criticism that that we and many people have had of the Star Wars movies, they've been. Disney has been very good about making connections to younger audiences and different demographics uh, that this that this um, franchise is going to appeal to. But there's no light at the end of the tunnel here for Indiana Jones. I mean, this is a movie about uh, about aging and death. Yeah, right. Sort of almost maliciously so. <laughs> I know, right. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you didn't think, when we met Indiana Jones in 1981, you didn't think we'd end up seeing a suicidal version of that character.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I I, I going having listened to our ranking episode, which I realized kind of sounded like I was criticizing Harrison Ford's acting, which I wasn't, and in re-watching the movie, I realized that, part of the problem is if you cast your movie well but make bad choices for the characters. Yeah. You end you end up with <laughs> with people doing their job so well that it really bums you out. Yeah. So like when Harrison Harrison Ford is playing a character who they just who they want the filmmakers have decided they want to be bored with life. He's very good at doing that. Right. So you get bored watching him, not because he's not doing his job, but because he's because doing he his is job doing properly. his job, and it's but f- that's not his fault. Yeah,
0: it's funny you say that because that was more of my takeaway on this watching. I w- yeah. I I remember saying in the ranking episode that I gravitated towards his performance because I thought it was a different performance, and it is, but I also. Think on this second watching, I th- agree more with you. It's a shade of Indiana Jones I don't want and don't need.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's it's kind of like the Mark Mark Hamill situation. Is is yeah? Like they they don't want they don't want to do it, but they're professionals. They're going to play whatever you give them to the hilt.
0: I, you know, I I didn't get any sense that Harrison Ford no disagreed with where this character was, like Mark Hamill had. But you're right in the sense that, of course, they're both professionals and they're both going to come in and do their work.
1: Yeah, even when it's so clearly from from the outside, the wrong, yeah. the wrong direction to be taking the character. Yeah, I actually don't think that about the Last Jedi, but we'll get there someday. But here, but here, I absolutely do, and and it does seem to me that you know that their choices are informed by what they did with Han Solo in the Force Awakens as well. Hmm, that's possible. I mean, in, in both, both in wanting to recreate that, and then also wanting to do something different. Mm-hmm. I think the re- basically the reason that Indiana Jones doesn't die in this movie has nothing to do with whether it's the, the right narrative choice or not. It's all to do with the fact that James Bond has just died on screen. We've seen a bunch of Avengers die, and Han Solo dies in The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's a totally... it's a It's a corporate franchise decision. It's not a story decision.
0: I mean, you're speculating, but... Well,
1: I'm not saying you're wrong. If those, if those, mov- if those movies hadn't happened, I think Indiana Jones would have died at the end of this movie, and we all because everything off-screen is telling us that this is Harrison Ford's last movie, last movie, but the yeah. movie itself refuses to commit to
0: that. So, and so, uh, you're 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 reading my mind now and taking my notes <laughs> off of my page because. Good that was one of the things that I kept writing down was that we already did the last crusade and the last crusade is a send off. It's saying yeah. goodbye. This movie is goodbye and refuses to say goodbye. Agreed. It's strange.
1: Yeah. yeah and it, it, it is, it is extremely strange. And I guess it suggests that they don't want to let go of the, I mean, I, I don't want to... Again, I don't want to speculate too much and read too much into what they have in mind for this franchise. Um, it's what... You know, uh, it's been speculated that they're just waiting for Harrison Ford to die so they can digitally do whatever they want with Indiana Jones. Ugh. I mean, that's a dark possibility. But the the movie clearly does not want this to be the last word on the Indiana Jones franchise. Yeah. Even though it's hard to imagine that... that even though we said this about Crystal Skull, that Harrison Ford still has one Indiana Jones movie in him. I guess, you know, you could animate, or you could have him as a 90-year-old and animate around the rest of it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what they see in the future of, of this franchise or indeed of movies. Both are very scary possibilities.
0: Well, let's get to the meat of it. And... Yeah. <laughs> so... I mean, my first note is, I remember having this reaction in the theater Yeah. because we go from the Disney logo to the Paramount logo to the Lucasfilm mm-hmm. logo, mm-hmm. which dissolves into a lock.
1: Yeah. Yeah, my, first, my very first note, and you can see I'm keeping an open mind here on my second viewing of the movie, too many logos. <laughs> Already, like, immediately dismissing the movie out of hand. But it's, I mean... I think I think that's that's just that's a justified criticism because you've got three choices of a logo you can convert into the beginning of the movie right as is traditional with the Indiana Jones films and they went with the Lucasfilm logo I, turning into the <laughs> turning into a lock
0: I wrote it down my one word review of Lucasfilm turning into a lock was offended
1: well yeah it's it, it again it's like it's like the Lucasfilm logo only seems to look like a lock in James Mangold's mind, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I know. yes. Because... And I got the impression as the film went on that James Mangold is fascinated by locks, and I am not. And no <laughs> amount of locks you show me on screen is going to convince me of that, James.
0: <laughs> That's great. I the one thing I did notice about it more than anything, on this viewing, which I don't think I got in the
1: theater, was that logo doesn't look a lot like that lock oh I didn't I had to uh, on my first upon my first viewing I didn't catch it oh wow okay I didn't catch that it was a conversion I read I like I had I, heard or read something some uh, review of the movie that told me that and on the second viewing I was like oh clearly it's supposed to be the Lucasfilm logo turning into a lock but it doesn't look like a lock and it doesn't look like that lock yeah exactly <laughs> more to the point <laughs> but but talk you know talk about like missed opportunities right i understand that you don't want to do anything for the paramount logo because the paramount logo isn't going to be there globally when it's distributed like it it, it won't be there for every version of the movie that's seen around the world don't care there's some kind of corporate instability there so i understand that you're not going to do you could uh, do it for america though you could do it for America, but then they'd have to adjust it. So I, I understand not doing that. But the Disney logo is a fucking castle. And this movie begins in Nazi Germany, which is full of fucking castles. So <laughs> no,
0: see, you, what you hit on was the the reason they didn't do it. They don't want the Disney castle turning into a Nazi castle.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, so yeah, maybe maybe that was it. Maybe Bob, Bob Iger came in and was like, "No, yeah. fuck that." Okay, <laughs> He's like, he said, yeah. "No, you're Here's not my doing first that shit." Note. Yeah, don't compare us to Nazis <laughs> in the opening moments of the movie. <laughs> but that would—I mean—that would be that. Oh, you or like you do a, you do a a preamble set in. Um, ancient Syracuse, and it, I don't know it comes that I don't some something, but mm-hmm. that one seems to be staring you in the face. Whereas, as we said, Lucasfilm and the lock is is entirely an invention of uh, James Mangold's imagination.
0: I almost wondered if Lucas said, "Hey, Steel Spielberg's not involved anymore. Put me on, put put convert well, my logo." Involved.
1: He's not involved anymore. I know, um, but <laughs> and clearly, I mean. Like it's it's interesting because you you lose the you lose the skill the effortless skill of Steven Spielberg, mm-hmm. uh, and you also lose the eccentric choices of George Lucas.
0: <laughs>
1: True, it's lose lose. You lose both of them. You lose Indiana Jones, I think. But anyway, and the movie the movie starts with the uh, nothing but limitations on its content. <laughs> so we hear <laughs> we hear a lot of German shouting. Yeah. The background is blurry, and Indiana Jones has a bag on his head. So we're basically saying, we're in, "Okay, <laughs> the, we're stro- we're struggling to show Indiana Jones's face." Yeah, exactly. CG CGI when done badly looks like a bunch of blurry, blurry ba- backgrounds. Yeah, and we're back with the Nazis.
0: So it's as though we are now Indiana Jones from last crusade because the audience is once again, going to say Nazis, these yeah. guys, I hate these guys, but now we're not. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we all hate Nazis, but as Indiana Jones fans, we also hate Nazis. Cause we're just tired of fucking seeing them pick someone else.
1: The movie even admits to this when it says too when he says too many Nazis. Yeah. There are these weird moments in the movies where they're saying the quiet part loud. Yeah. In terms of all the things that are going wrong with the movie. And it's amazing how many times they actually spell it out to the audience in dialogue. Quite how many shortcomings there are in this movie. I know. As if they can't help themselves. And that the first explosion that you see, I mean, that looks like it's happening in a galaxy far, far away. Far, far away, it far away like, yeah. It doesn't look like it. And, you know, for comparing this side by side with Crystal Skull, I mean... The, the lighting is oversaturated in crystal skill. This is no better. No. The way that they're trying to pick out faces with spotlights mm-hmm. looks terrible. Yeah. It's so imbalanced.
0: Well, let's talk about the face.
1: <laughs> because they take that hood well, off. Well, yeah, but let's first talk about that hood because... They, in Crystal Skull, here's the comparison. Come on, Skull, the... how deep do you
0: have to go? The minutiae of the hood?
1: No, this this, no, well, this is important, right? All because right. Because this is how we've chosen to introduce the character. So in Crystal Skull, they reintroduced Indy in the trunk of a car because they wanted to. Because George Lucas is a fucking madman. Yeah. But it was a choice that made sense to him. They're putting the bag on the head because it's easier to animate around. The less we see of his face, the less work we have to do. Yeah. And that's all you can think about. That's not a choice. That's a... Convenience. That's that's management. A management problem.
0: So... But what I find strange is that you juxtapose that with taking the hood off. And James Mangold chooses to, several times, kind of close up on this face as though, check us out. Check out how good this looks. And I said this in the rankings episode, this face looks better than any other de-aging face that I think I've seen. Still looks terrible.
1: Yeah, it lo- and it lo- and it looks less offensive on a small screen than a than a big screen. Yeah, certainly. the big screen was. I bad. I also suspect they've used some of the lag time between this coming out on Disney Plus to do a bit of post post production, which is not unheard of when digital effects go wrong in Disney movies. Yeah. But yeah, and you've not solved any of the fundamental problems. You still get the cat the cat size. Mm-hmm. You can't seem to get rid of that byproduct of. Of eye of eyes looking like they belong to felines,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you can't make the movement of the head look real. No, it's pure whenever, Polar Express. Whenever, whenever Harrison Ford uh, moves his head around, it looks like he has Parkinson's. It's like mm-hmm. there's like there's one for every one head movement he does. There's about eighteen glitches. Yeah, that surround it.
0: And weirdly, the less he moves his head. For me, the worse it gets, like when he slowly turns his head somewhere, mm. that, that's even worse.
1: And basically, the people who make these movies and, and also in the response to it, they're thinking about this all wrong because they think they think that this is just that the, it's just the fate that everything besides the face is the same and it's not doing making mm-hmm. this choice to do like a d-age digital face changes the entire cinematic language of how you do a scene like this right you have to do everything in shot reverse shot so then you can directly compare and contrast how real a human actor of their appropriate age looks to this monstrosity <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> His face is not the same color or texture as the other humans in the scene. Why does this not occur to anyone as a weakness? I don't know. Of your film.
0: I'll tell you what else the... is a weakness. Yeah. Because that U.S. bomb hits the floor. Right. And I wrote down they're doing Money Pit jokes.
1: Yeah, and this that. Don't okay, first... me.
0: I like Money Pit, but I yeah. don't want my Indiana Jones movie to be copying from Money Pit.
1: That goes, to, it goes back to um, the Jiminy Glick interview with Steven Spielberg, where he tries to school him <laughs> on the money pit before he's saying, uh, well, I actually produced the money pit, so I say, no, yeah. I don't think that happened in there. No, I think if you go back to the money pit, you'll see that I'm right. <laughs> there's also, not. I don't want to keep going on about the, the de-aging because at some point you just have to accept that they did it and, yeah. and, and move on. But uh, there's no internal consistency they don't have an etiquette for doing it yet after all this time right like they de-age Mads Mikkelsen Mm -hmm. when all they really need to do is just lighten it like take the gray out of his hair sure but he's also playing older than he is in the modern day scenes right where's the like internal consistency and logic here Agreed. I don't I don't understand. Like sometimes they're just happy to to grey up someone's hair and put a mustache on them like we like we've done for decades with mm-hmm. movies. Other time they feel like, no, we really need to digitally de age this character. But it, there's no there's no rules, there's no there's there's nothing there's no bible to how to do this. Right. When you think they're about the times in the dark.
0: We've talked about Movies, say, like the, the first three movies in the era that this, this series was made, how much careful attention they paid to everything.
2: Mm.
0: You know, you talk about, yeah. you know, throughout well, the filmmaking, effects wise. Yeah. And to your point, it seems like I don't know what it is. It's something it's something within, say, this deaged face where it makes filmmakers lazier.
1: Definitely will. They're not I, I mean, paying as much attention to detail. Yeah. It starts with laziness because you're essentially saying we don't want to deal with casting another actor and the ramifications of that, and that again is clearly a corporate decision because of the unpopularity of doing it with Adolf Eichmann in uh, in solo. I can't remember his name. Aidan, what's this? We can never. Whatever name his, name. his name was. But Aidan Aaron Aaronhardt. Yeah. <laughs> that's not right. That's nothing. Nowhere near. But that's what this is. You know. If, again, if that if that. Uh, if that hadn't compromised their box office, I don't know if they'd necessarily go gone down this route. Because the last time they did it, they cast another actor. The mm-hmm. last time they made him young, actually, the last two times they did it, the last three times they did it, they cast a younger actor. So, all right, what's the what's the problem? So I I, I since we've been going through these movies and with your help, I've realized that each each movie has two MacGuffins. There's so a, there's a, yes, there's a MacGuffin for the for the in quotes, cold open. And then there's an overall MacGuffin. This is one of my
0: big notes. I, I didn't think of it the first time I watched it. Nope. But...
1: Completely forgot about yeah. the Holy Lance. But this is your cold open MacGuffin.
0: Except it's not, because it's disregarded so fast, yeah. and then the clock, the dial, comes into the movie so quickly. The, the dial is in, in the front yeah. scene, you know?
1: But they, but they did that in both Crusade and... A little bit in Crusade because you you the Grail, uh, Henry writing the Grail diary, and in, but it's not anything
0: I, that the I, characters want. No, it's just introduced. And I was
1: going to say a little bit in not that anyone wants anything in Crystal Skull that is discernible, but I guess I suppose it's a different Crystal Skull in but, the so opening. But so this than is the is in thing. The sec- this in, is in the, the thing. The movie. This is the
0: thing that made me think of this was that a bad tendency. Started in Crystal Skull, where yeah. the the front MacGuffin was related to mm-hmm. the MacGuffin, yeah, but not, but kind of separate. Whereas this one, I I disregard, I disregard well, different, I disre- different skulls. Yeah, I disregard the Lance almost completely because of how quickly yeah. everyone's like this piece of shit's a fake, and so it all was the dial, mm. almost immediately for me.
1: So much so that I completely forgot that 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 this was even in the movie. Yeah, right. On my second viewing, I was like, "All oh, right, they were looking. They were looking for something else." I completely yeah. forgot they were looking for something other than the Dial of Destiny. Mm-hmm. And this is a note that I have
0: throughout this film, where you see, you—it's like you can timestamp when movies are made, because you have the original trilogy, and there's so much stuff that happens in Crystal Skull, where you're like. Now, this is a bad thing that you're starting to do, which is now yes. just how movies are made now.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I, my next note speaks exactly to that. How do you create an aesthetic that is simultaneously too dark and overlit? <laughs> right. Yeah this, <laughs> yeah, this this front scene does exactly that. And that's modern it's movies all in that. a nutshell. Yeah. Those are my two main criticisms of, of movies in 2023. I can't see enough or I'm seeing too much.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can do things that are smart and dumb. Yeah. There's a moment at the beginning when the Nazis have Indiana Jones's shit laid out mm. and we see Marion's picture. And I thought, this is just well, for the audience. This is the that only tol- reason you're, you yeah. know, it's
1: like... like it also screws out the, screws up the timeline as has been established in previous movies, which uh, apparently I attribute far more importance to than anyone else making these, these franchise movies. But I still think it matters that the last film dealt with how their relationship broke up. So chronologically, he wouldn't have been carrying around a picture of Marion.
0: No, yeah, I thought the same but, thing. Yeah, you're right.
1: They up that was the thing. Why would he have it? That's, that was the thing that cuz totally I wrote down in benefit. my notes. Totally I wrote down benefit. laugh
0: out loud because there's I forgot. That that was my main objection because there was absolutely no reason that Indiana Jones, the piece of shit we knew <laughs> from earlier films, yeah. the womanizer, would have Marion's picture with him at that time.
1: And yeah, that too, and there's not even a character judgment. It's just what the last movie told us happened with their relationship, right? And the movie burns that for the sake of doing something entirely for the yeah. audience's benefit. And I don't object to putting moments of fan service in for the audience benefit, but they have to jibe with what's going mm-hmm. on in world. And this is a this is the early, an early example of this movie's not going to care about how. Uh, whether it feels authentic to the or characters not. or whether it feels authentic to the world, as long as the audience can right. get a kick out of it. And I don't get a kick out of something that compromises the integrity of what I'm seeing on screen. <laughs> so, uh, um, and also <sighs> I hate to do this because just, again, it seems like such a simple thing to get right that they screw up. Where Indy is in relation to the action in the opening sequence is wrong. He knows more than his captors and he's ahead of the game yeah. at all times. And one of the, we've talked in previous movies, he's always behind the eight ball. He's always yeah. behind the audience. And they've reversed it for this sequence. And, it, and They've kind of reversed it for the whole movie. But yeah, I don't think it's a conscious reversal. I think it's just a misremembering of what kind of, of a hero who he is. Jones is. Yeah. Uh, and then given that, that it's you know you you they're taking over the character, mm-hmm. right? It's it's disappointing that they would get the basics wrong. Yeah. So no. Quickly.
0: I'm with you. I don't know. I it's like, where do you start? That that bomb hits. You you were talking about mm-hmm. the CGI ness of the buildings. But when that bomb <laughs> goes down through whatever it is, the 90 floors that I guess are in this castle.
1: <laughs> and that it's the Tower of Tarot. yeah that totally. Been crossover.
0: And uh, the the explosion, <laughs> the wood going everywhere, the fire, the smoke, my note is that it feels like I'm turning pages in a comic book. I have lost all semblance of reality.
1: I think that's an insult to comic books. To be perfectly <laughs> honest.
0: Good point.
1: It no, it's. I mean, it's. You're right. It's total fantasy land. I mean, this adventure might as well be happening, you know, in Mordor. Yeah, right. <laughs> or I mean, when and when they're on the train, all I could think about was this looks like we're in a Harry Potter yeah, movie.
0: Yeah. Me too.
1: Or the Polar Express. mm
0: Hmm. Oh, man, there's, you know, there's a sequence of things that I don't think I even really caught the first time I watched it. When he, you know, they they go ahead and they kidnap Toby.
1: Toby Jones. Toby yeah,
0: Jones. Sure.
1: His lifelong friend.
0: Another lifelong friend that we've never met. <laughs> when he gets on that motorcycle and there's that car chase, I started mm-hmm. watching that and thinking to myself, I don't think a lot of this is real. Mm. I think I'm watching CGI motorcycles and CGI, CGI cars flip on the road. Yeah, and I did not care for that. Yeah,
1: sure. I mean it, it all it, it feels like it doesn't none of it feels like a real play. You know what
0: it felt like if you're spending 294 million dollars on your movie, it felt like you were spending it in all the wrong spots.
1: For sure, yeah, um and also going straight into a bike chase also tells me that not only do we not have any new ideas, but it's it strikes me that in the fan service era of filmmaking when you you're you're doing like a a belated franchise movie, it becomes a virtue to have no new ideas and to only go back to that which has come before mm-hmm so originality is almost impossible because you need to come out of the gate plugging all those classic uh, indie trots. moments. Yeah, so it's it, it's it's not just a lack of di- it's just not it's not just that we've exhausted all our ideas. It's also that the form itself is more inclined for us to rake over old material. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes it hard to come up with anything original or surprising. Yeah. Although I still think this movie should have tried harder with that. Yeah. And you know, 5 f- 5 minutes in, it's mostly talk. It's progressing very slowly. No worse than Crystal Skull, certainly no better. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Like this this opening, this opening is not moving faster than Crystal Skull. No. Which I found I found noticeably slow and talky. <laughs> um and you know, because we need yeah, to. it sounds like you're her- setting
0: up your court case again, by the way.
1: No, I know I'm just no, I'm just, you know <laughs> I'm reflecting, you know, this was this was supposed to uh this was this was supposed to better and apologize for Crystal Skull. It made all it's the it's same And it's not doing mistakes. that, yeah, you're right. It made all the same mistakes and it's not even it's 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 not it's it's it doesn't have any of the same successes as far as I see it. And it also feels like it feels like the you've mentioned I'm going to you've insulted comic books. I'm going to insult cartoons here because everything feels like the cartoon version of Indiana Jones. Yeah. Feels like someone who who might like it feels like James Mangle hasn't seen Razor Lost Ark, but he's read the treatment. Someone's shown him a diagram of what Tote looked like or what Indy looked like when he was in the German outfit. And he's like, oh, yeah, let's do that.
0: It's that, it seems that. more like, uh, oh, shit, I'm blanking on, you know, the uh, the storyboards. It looks like he just saw the exactly. storyboards. Yeah. yeah, he
1: just he just saw the storyboards, which you know Steven Spielberg likes to. Think yeah, so it's quite possible. And the punching of the Nazis—it's like this is the this is a caricature of what Indiana Jones does mm-hmm. in these in in the in past movies. It's not—it's the baroque version of 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 what of what happens in Raiders or Temple.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and you know, it because we have to keep Harrison Ford separate for entirely technological reasons we have to this scene has to involve a lot of scenes without him yeah right so it's just the Germans with Basil or um, you know uh, or with Mads with, yeah vola, vola, with the Germans and you know you can't even have the, the hat and the whip and the bag with him that's separate from him yeah
0: I love I love that moment too when he he sees his bag And the first thing he does is take off his Nazi uniform and puts on his shit like that's going to help him.
1: You know, I think that was the first moment that I respected in in the movie that, that they they thought about, you know, how overblown the reintroduction of Indiana Jones was in Crystal Skull and they wanted to sort of counter that. So when he, there's no fanfare when he puts the outfit on, we, it cuts sure. away almost immediately. I thought that was the, I mean, again, there no, might be they'll a save that for the last shot for, of the
0: movie. Thank you.
1: Th- there might be a technological impetus for that in the sense that yeah. you know it doesn't, it doesn't look good enough. So let's cut away. But it, it, it's nice because it's like, well, you know, we don't, uh, that last movie did that. We don't want to do the same. Sure. Uh, and we want just want to kind of cut to the chase. Yeah, the first so the first strains of um, of the Raiders theme, and we have to watch Indiana Jones running like a character from a Shrek movie over the top of the train. Oh boy,
0: I tell you, my note is that as that music starts, this this movie feels unworthy of it.
1: Yeah. yeah. You
0: know, and it's pure, pure. Why
1: can't they get movement right? I don't Why can't know. They get... But it's... You well, know... I mean, not why can't they, but why di- why don't they know that they can't and then do something else? Right.
0: <laughs> just, like, <laughs> I don't know. Go to Europe. Film a train. <laughs> get an actor. You're far away. Get an you actor. To to, you
1: don't have to go to Europe. You just need a train. That's true. need someone to run on top of a train. I, I mean... Stump but, people are still exist. Yeah,
0: exactly. Just film somebody running on a fucking train. Just call Andrew Davis. <laughs> you want to know anything about trains? Call the director of the Fugitive. Harrison <laughs> Ford has his fucking number, I'm sure.
1: Oh, I mean, there's there's enough of the Fugitive in this movie that Andrew Davis would have been the perfect choice. I think. Mm. It would be. It's based at times. It's an unofficial sequel to the Fugitive. Yeah, what that's you think, true. Which you think I'd like more. <laughs> And what it's like? What is the character point and message of seeing Basil break in front of the Germans? Except as a way to introduce him to the audience. Mm-hmm. The first thing we've seen doing is kind of like caving under interrogation. That and that doesn't go anywhere with his characterization. I mean, he's only in the movie for about ten minutes. More, right. Like, that's not telling us anything. All it's telling us is who he is.
0: I also think it's like I also kind of laughed. Cause there's this part of me that thinks that this entire front scene is so misguided in the sense of what year is it that we're in right now? Did they tell us?
1: Well, at the end, um, yeah. Well, it's, it's gotta be, 45. yeah, it's, it's,
0: it's gotta be 45 cause it's the end of world war two.
1: Maybe 44.
0: Yeah. Uh, but to me, I can't place this in relation to, you know, where Indiana Jones was at the end of crusade. No. What would bring him back? And and so, so Toby, he he just says, uh, we're, we're trying to save history.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Noble, I suppose, but what a, what a risk to like go to a Nazi castle surrounded by 500 guards, just Mm -hmm. you and your professor friend.
1: None of it makes sense. And none, and it doesn't have to be this rogue mission because the last movie teed us up for for Indiana Jones being a wartime spy. Mm-hmm. So why isn't this a record of those adventures? Why is yeah. it still a rogue archaeological mission? Yeah. And is it literally like, well, Crystal Skull talked about that, so we don't want to go anywhere near it. I think that is the impetus. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, but but yet it is still during wartime, and we still don't get to see these tantalizing wartime espionage <laughs> adventures that we were promised in the last movie. Yeah. But you're going to set it during World War II at a crucial moment when spies could make a difference? Yeah. My well, God, yeah. I'll
0: tell you the one thing I did like, because he finds out quite, quite quickly that this Lance is fake.
1: Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> well, no, he and he lets us know because he goes, "That's fake, that's fake, that's fake, that's yeah. fake." Any like, anytime you can you can have a character walking without talking in an Indiana Jones movie, it will be improved. Yes. Carry on.
0: But what's funny to me is that then they find that Archimedes dial. Sure. And it's <laughs> and it's it's uh, Toby Jones that finds it, Basil. Basil. Basil, yeah. So Basil finds it, oh, and he, he, yeah, he kind of just shows it to I Indiana. Know, he just kind of shows it to uh, uh, Indiana Jones, and he just grabs it and says, "Bring it!" And like that grave robber, of like that that piece yeah. of shit kind of Indiana Jones really came out. But yeah. I don't think you know that's not. It's not a commentary for the movie. Yeah. The movie doesn't get that. That's what he's doing. You know.
1: Agreed and it, it, you know again we're back we're back with it has no power uh so we're resetting to the point of skepticism again mhm and we sort of don't need to do that cuz the subject doesn't come up unless you bring it up right it's sort of like mhm sure if all they care about, if all either of them whether they care about it because they can raise money for it or cash as it's referred to in this movie um or because, the, you know, they're, they're, it's archaeological interest. The idea that it might have some supernatural power or fantasy connotations shouldn't enter into this at this point. Just be like, it's Archimedes' dial. It's right. It's an important artifact. It's an important artifact. Let's take it. But yet we have to have this moment to show that somehow, again, Indiana, after the After Last Crusade, the events of the Last Crusade, Temple of Doom, and Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indy still doesn't believe that any artifact that he finds can have any power beyond the world. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and what is even worse is that this movie tries to make the argument that this movie is, that the magic of this movie is more scientific mathematical yeah because
0: it's math yeah i know i noticed that this viewing i
1: mean it's like you're trying to change the terms of the deal here right and the last movie <laughs> already did it for you it already made the transition into science fiction so not only do you not have to work as hard but i got news for you your fantasy bullshit is the most fantasy bullshit that's been in any of these movies and you're either gonna have to deal with it but you can't talk your way out of it i, I think it's at least at the same level no, this, I I mean, this is, this is the most, this, the storyline, the fantasy storyline is the most implausible it's ever been in this series, in this movie. All right, fine. And yet they act as if it's the most rational and empirical, and that's very irritating.
0: That is irritating, that part of it,
1: yes. And they, like, they're already starting to build their defense for the proliferation of nonsense that will become the last half hour of this movie.
0: Right.
1: And then again, we get lines that are entirely for the audience's benefit and have nothing to do with what's happening in world. Have you ever met Hitler? Oh, yeah. Remember when he met Hitler in Last Crusade? Yeah. So what? So uh, Indy's not even there to absorb (laughs) that kind of coincidence. (laughs) Yes.
0: You know, something happens, too, because there's the colonel who. Uh Uh-huh. What is it? Colonel Weber?
1: Yeah. Thomas, What's that actor's
0: name? Thomas Kretschmann?
1: Thomas Kretschmann,
0: yeah. This happens a lot in this movie because he's... yeah. You know, Indiana Jones does his little food fake-out and mm-hmm. is able to get past him on the train. Past mm-hmm. a bunch of other people. He gets Basil. They get past that gun. That gun is uh, shooting the, the train itself. Yeah. You know, they're so far removed from the colonel and then all of a sudden the colonel looks up and they're like why he can see them running mm. past them, and he gets ahead of them so fast. There's something going on where people are catching up to other people in this movie in ways that are more fantastical than the end of this movie to me. Yeah, okay. That's how ridiculous it is, you know. It is. It is.
1: It is as ridiculous as as the uh, historical epic that ends this movie. Yeah. And you know, I notice this when, like, we have a fake sky. But it has no supernatural connotations. Like when we've seen a sky this fake before, <laughs> it's, it's it, you know, it's invoked uh, the fantastical, the ethereal. This yeah. is just a sky that doesn't look convincing because the technology <laughs> you're using isn't working. Isn't good enough. It's like the representation of fantasy and... CGI the state of CGI graphics have caught up with each other and now they're one in the same you can't Mm -hmm. tell what's supposed to be fantastical in this movie and what is supposed to represent real life sure it's that is indistinguishable from each other there's a line in here which I liked because it made me thought of a movie I like not because I like it where uh I can't remember if it's Basil or Indy says those aren't Nazis and so I obviously thought about Planes Trains and Automobiles. Right, yeah. And then then I started to drift off because I just
0: rewatched Planes Trains and me Automobiles. Me too.
1: Thanksgiving. You got to do it every Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a tradition. And then I thought, "Oh, thinking about how great that movie is, how much better would it have been if Basil and Indy met here." Hmm. Like and I'm obviously thinking John Candy and Steve Martin meeting on the road in Planes Trains and plays yeah, right. Automobiles. Like, huh? You don't have to do the lifelong friend retcon, right? It could just be that like we're both caught up in this. It could be that Basil is the guy trying to save history, and Indy's the spy. Like it, like as soon as you you make that leap, it becomes a better movie. You you come in with the hood on
0: Toby Jones, and if you film it right, people will think it's Indiana Jones. There you go. And then in the background you see Indy in the Nazi uniform and he throws everything away to save this American. That's what yeah. you do.
1: Or this this Brit. Brit. Sorry. Sure. No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I consider I, I, you I... all one of us. <laughs> Thank you. That's kind. Of... Well, I guess you know we were both allies, weren't we? So yeah. we were part of the same war effort. I mean, when when you bothered to join the war effort in <laughs> It, man? <laughs> that was after a scathing you, after, indictment. After, after it had started to affect you, you know, <laughs> the world was basically yeah. done so, and you were like, "Well, I all guess." All right, now we'll throw in. Oh, uh, now that you're in truth, no, I don't, I don't mean that at all. I'm, we're just as territorial and imperial as a culture. <laughs> uh, yeah, the matching of foreground and backgrounds as bad as it is in the Jungle Ride from uh, Crystal Skull, it's just darker and beiger. Mm-hmm. So. Um, First use of the whip, eighteen minutes in.
0: I noticed that. I have that. I was just staring at that note.
1: Interesting, and I, I, I think I always do this at the beginning of every. Okay, okay, let's see how many times they use it. I only counted two. Did I miss one? No, I think you might be right. And I, I was interested. Are they going to stick to the rule for three? And then, yeah. was, and then I about, I didn't even bother checking because I was like, no, this movie doesn't care about structure. Yeah, no. <laughs> You're right. There's some bad comedy here. Um, the like the misfiring of the gun is barely funny. Barely. The comedic when he says not me as if, as if so the comedic idea is that Basil your lifelong friend is trying to shoot you. Mhm. This is a stamp gag all over again. There's no internal logic to this joke.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a lot of internal logic missing. You know, Indiana yeah. Jones, if you're if you're in a fight to the death on the top of a moving train, mm. and you have the moment to kick the colonel off the train. You just kick him. You don't take <clears> the time <throat> to say, "To the victor goes the spoils." Before you do but, it,
1: and that line is such a placeholder. Like you know that they couldn't think I of know. anything better. That's <laughs> so terrible. It's it, it, like, and I love the fact that it's like, so it's even more generic than I like Ike, which I suspect was a little bit of a placeholder in the last movie. Uh, yeah. But it was one I was like, hey, it's 1957. It was a slogan. Like, uh, <laughs> cool. This is just, to the Victor goes, this, what does that mean? <laughs> the spoils of pushing you off a train? Right. <laughs> Nonsensical. <laughs> it's it's worse than our Venice yeah right it's less less more impenetrable than than uh, venice well here's something
0: else too because you're you're giving a lot of play to the end of this movie but you know what i find to be the most fantastical thing in this movie go ahead mads mickelson survives that fucking hit
1: does he even have a scar
0: he has a slight scar on his forehead
1: Okay, well, they need to make more of that, Scott. That you I didn't, even notice, didn't
0: even notice. Exactly. That I didn't even yeah. notice.
1: <laughs> well, that's Disney Lucas film, isn't it? People There's no the way that guy survived. His face is caved in. There's no way Re- he survived. Oh, Disney Lucas film is resurrection without explanation. Yeah. You know, all the way through to, you know, uh, uh, Sabine in Ahsoka gets run through <laughs> with a lightsaber in the first episode. Mm-hmm. There she is, no impact in the next episode. Yeah, you know, Qui Gon died for nothing. <laughs> but, and what also gets me about these, this 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 scene, which is nearly over, mercifully, twenty minutes in, and the sequence is threatened to end at least twice, but right. we're still gonna have two more minutes of of false endings. Sure. Uh, Yeah, it's...
0: Well, and there's one more thing that happens where I knew that this movie didn't have its priorities straight and had its attention where it shouldn't because Indiana Jones and Basil Shaw jump off that train into the water, Yeah. cut to them in the water, Mm -hmm. cut to them walking up the hill with the train CGI'd crash that we never got to see.
1: You see, that should have turned into the Disney logo, because in the like extended version of the Disney logo, it starts with a train over That's the bridge. That's That looks no more or less realistic than then that. this train, so, yeah. yeah.
0: But they, you know, it was one of those things where they spent $298 million. They were never going to call Andrew Davis, so they can't wreck a real train.
1: <laughs> I but like they... the idea that Andrew Davis <laughs> is just sitting by his phone. <laughs> Waiting. On the off chance that somebody wants to make a practical movie (laughs) involving a train.
0: But they wouldn't even take the money or time to show us the train crashing digitally.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah, they just cut away from it, don't they? You know,
0: they just cut away from it, yeah.
1: Huh. You see... I, I would be, I didn't, it did, that didn't occur to me. And I would be in favor of that choice for the sake of narrative economy, but that's not why they're doing it. No, no it's not. That,
0: that's the, exactly.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they made the right choice for the wrong reasons. Right. Can you imagine how bad that would look? That would have looked. <laughs> yeah. If that train.
0: I can. <laughs> it would have been terrible. It doesn't even yeah. make, it doesn't even make what they do show you doesn't even make sense uh logistically
1: yeah
0: because they just show the train you know there was a there was a uh what was it a missile a bomb the the planes are dropping bombs and they drop one on the bridge because those aren't nazis yeah and what they show is that the train hit it and just stopped in the in the space that the bomb created
1: that's right. That it's yes, yeah, not even clear, is not it? Not even,
0: not even remotely, what would happen? The train just doesn't so,
1: stop. Right. Wow.
0: It's terrible. How Everything about it.
1: The, how can you make those? How can you fuck up? Uh, blowing up a bridge in a train between the, the space in the tracks like that's the most that's the easiest thing right. that you could possibly stage in a movie. show at least one especially thing. when you don't actually you don't have the challenge of, sh- of having anything i'm having yeah,
0: yeah totally <laughs> all right well we did it we got through the first front scene
1: we did we're 22 minutes in and uh uh we're you know, I'm sure we're gonna take a break, but I'll just say as a teaser, we're about to get into what I consider to be the best part of this movie. Great. I agree with you. So, <laughs> there's room for optimism. We'll be
0: right back.
1: They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sheriffs guiding you up a foamy headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer.
0: And we're back. <laughs> Here we are. Man, that was a lot for probably people to take in. We're talking Dial of Destiny from 2023, directed by James Mangold. If you like this movie, you probably didn't like that last segment.
1: No, but you need to know that it's not okay to like that. So yeah, you have to. Especially you... if you're a fan of Indiana Jones movies. If you're under some kind of illusion that that is okay as yeah. the front scene of an Indiana Jones movie, I'm sorry. You, you, you need to be... Uh... You uh, you need to be re-educated on that one. <laughs> Clockwork Orange style. Yes. <laughs> Just forced to watch the start of every good movie. Yeah. Just so right. you're, you're conditioned to know, oh, that's not okay to begin yeah. a movie that way. Right. <laughs> Fucking touch of evil on a loop. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, uh, we're gonna when we when we uh, get back to reality and leave yeah. Cartoon Land. We've left, well, not for long. You know, it's you know what it felt like. It felt like watching the front scene. Felt like watching Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That's what it felt like.
1: <laughs> I was just gonna say it felt like one of our f- uh, favorite uh, animated title sequences, like Weekend at Bernie's. Bernie's too. <laughs> that's great could you imagine all of those events could have been represented as like a they could have um, like switched the sort of um, switched the bond pastiche and just had it had all that happen in the titles Mm -hmm. in like an elaborate title sequence that would have been amazing
0: well we're going to open up on uh, Indiana's New York apartment
1: yeah. Um, our now, if you t- want to do the
0: sequel thing, sorry to interrupt, but if you no, want to do okay. the sequel thing <laughs> of showing pictures, I'll give it to Mangold <laughs> for this scene. <laughs> this is how you do it. I'm fine with it. If you blink, you'll miss Henry Jones up on the
1: shelf. That's all I need. So, I mean, this is the Disney Lucasfilm method, isn't it? They like to sweat the fan service details, so in the hope that you'll rewatch scenes endlessly... Mm-hmm. uh for um franchise easter eggs
0: pause take a picture zoom in
1: yeah the last season of star wars minute made me realize that that jj uh, abrams's attention in rise of skywalker was all on getting as many of those moments into the movie as possible at the expense of story and it's a little bit like that here too so sure i think it's a disney film edict um, but we start with a ticking clock, which is our second ticking clock of the movie. Yeah. Uh I like all the audiovisual comparisons in the movie, completely forgettable and all in James Mangold's mind. <laughs> For him this movie is about clocks. We're we're talking why.
0: about dials of destiny, Tom. I yeah, gotta have a clicking But this I gotta, is not I gotta have a working but clock.
1: But then they're just like, It's a time travel movie, so let's uh let's make it about clocks, like back, like it's back to the future.
0: Yeah. But I obviously, oh, I how like, great would it have been if Doc Brown was expecting that thing at one time? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm going to get into the t- So basically, that they, they they make a very inept time travel film. They said that like having moved into that sub genre, mm-hmm. they don't understand the rules of it and they don't understand how it works. But anyway, we'll get there. Um, Fine. Uh, I obviously, I mean, I love all the this is where the kind of Bond pastiche really starts, aside from doing another, like, Bond-like <laughs> cold open. But, the, you know, like in Honor Majesty's Secret Service, anything that is of significance from past adventures is just on his desk. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which is exactly what happens in Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Um, and this, like, as once we've, once we've done the tracking shot, when we find him in the chair, these next few minutes are, for me, the best. Uh, best part of the movie by a mile. Mm-hmm. And for very good reasons. First, the song choice. Yeah. The the, the, the trailer faked us out by thinking it was going to be Sympathy for sympathy the
0: Devil. Sympathy for the Devil, yeah, I know,
1: yeah. Um, but we went with uh, Magical Mystery Tour by the Beatles, which is a great catalogue pit. It's not the obvious choice. It's a pretty deep cut. It speaks thematically to the movie, and it speaks to <laughs> Bond's distaste for the Beatles in Goldfinger. <laughs> and then second you know secondly the reveal of ford's body right if yeah. into, if you're into harrison ford as a film star which i am even more so than indiana jones to see the kind of aging of a sex symbol kind of uh display you know and how much this series has been about the display of his body and kind of capping that off right um I really love that moment. I really I think that's a great film star moment.
0: I do too, and I you know, it's funny because like you said, you're seeing what has happened to his body, but at the same right. time, he's an 80-year-old man and he still
1: looks fucking great. <laughs> crazily. I mean, you know, <laughs> That's it, ridiculous. It, yeah, I mean it is. It, it's the part of it, it, in a in a purely sort of exploitative sense, it's something that when you're making a big Hollywood movie, you want to show off that you've got this mm-hmm this uh, 80-year-old film, well I don't know, 78, I don't know what he was he was like 70 at the time he started filming the movie um, <laughs> but you've got the, this guy, who's, his body is just, just incredible looking you want to yeah. show it off as much as possible and then thirdly, good fan service, right? Referencing the deleted continuity from young Indiana Jones of a, of a 90-year-old uh, Indiana Jones complaining of uh, one of these <laughs> Like segments that began the TV versions of Young Indiana Jones involved this very scene, of old ninety-year-old Indy telling kids across the way to turn down their music, playing the music too loud. So this is, but you don't need to have that knowledge. You don't need to have seen that. But Mm -hmm. if you do, it, it like I have, it enhances the moment, and it's all making a point that is important, which is that he is now an old man yelling. You know, like. He's an he's old man yelling at cloud. Old man yelling at cloud. Quite yeah. literally yelling at the moon. Right. So I just think all of that is is great and this series is is always good. One thing that is you know, works well in all these films and this may be the only thing that works well in each of these movies. Like intergenerational specificity when when indie acts with um interacts with people from different generations. Yeah. You can see the generation gap and you can see like it feel, you always know where Indy is in relation to the culture around him and this scene sets that up really well. I agree. And I know it's been said that these hippies shouldn't be so excited about the space race but I'll let it go. (laughs) Uh, So all of that plus uh, Well I also think that it's smart that we're kind of What do you like about it?
0: Well, I think it's smart that we're focusing on the moon landing itself, because that means that we're looking towards the future. But our main character is somebody mm-hmm. yeah. who's at an age where they can only look towards the past. Yeah. And it's kind of, you know, it, it means that and, and on top of that, because of the tragedies that have befallen him in his personal life, it means he's stuck he can't look forward like the rest of the country is. Hmm. And that to me is interesting. And I think kind of smart.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We get, uh, so the last movie was all all about the sunset look. Whereas this movie has Mm -hmm. a sunrise look. Yeah. It kind of exploits that Spielbergian lens flare and always feels like you it's sunrise wherever we are. But one of my
0: notes is I really like the way New York looks in this movie.
1: I don't know if I'd go that far, but when we're in the apartment, I like it. I like that he's drinking instant coffee. I think, again, Mm -hmm. that's like, because that's that's an important, (laughs) it's a very small detail, but it's a historically, and he's got like an electric kettle. And it's a very important one because in previous movies, he couldn't be using this technology. So it does matter. Sure. I mean, it's not there for that reason. It's there to show that he's an alcoholic, but which I don't particularly care for. Mm-hmm. But because it doesn't really play into anything, no. Yeah. I don't know why he has a photo of Marion from Raiders of the Lost Ark on the fridge. Um, <laughs> seems like he'd have a more recent photograph, having only been separated from her for a by, like a matter of months. <laughs> like what months? Yeah, that's there again, are for our benefit, and it clashes with the world that is on screen. It does, um, but I'll, I'll,
0: I'll forgive the one thing because. I kind of, I like the, I like the joke at the end. He puts the magnet on her face. Ah, right. And I like, I like that he removes it at the end. And if you blink, you miss it. Yeah. But that to me, that to me goes to character. And that's, you know, I appreciate that. So when she opens up the door at the end of the movie and he removes the magnet that he put on her face to get out of trouble.
1: I I totally missed that. I would have loved that scene to have been about that instead of reenacting a scene from *Raze the Lost Ark*. I agree. That would have been great for me. So they again, they buried the lead. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The problem I have with it when he goes, it's when he goes outside. I don't know why he's in New York. I can't rationalize why they decided to put him in New York instead of say Chicago or just well, I mean, let's just just wherever he was. To at be honest, let's
0: face it, it's so that he could get on a horse and ride a horse in a subway. I think... I think it? they, I think so. I think they built backwards from that sort oh. of thing.
1: Well, that's terrible. But it looks like a dreamscape version of late 1960s New York. And... Well, I think
0: it looks like the dream version because it's perennially always feels like it's at sunrise
1: yeah absolutely but also every but but the buildings itself and that kind of thing i i i was okay with uh, it looks sometimes i mean sometimes it looks it looks very one-dimensional sometimes mm. it almost looks like harrison ford's gonna do a wily e. coyote and walk straight into the the well, backdrop yeah <laughs> it's drawn to look like a three-dimensional image and this lecture scene is so depressing It's uh, it's the depressing counterpoint to the class scenes from before. It's like, why would we want to see Indiana Jones at such a low point in his life?
0: I I think I'm okay with it, just because what I did like watching was I liked that he... I didn't really pick up on this on my first viewing, but I like the idea... If you're going to make a movie about an 80-year-old man, and it's an 80-year-old Indiana Jones and what his life is like then, I kind of like juxtaposing this scene against Raider's scene in the sense of he's still very excited about archaeology, but there's nobody with Love You on their eyelids anymore. I mean, they can't even stay awake, you know? Yeah. And so I I kind of like that juxtaposition where what I like seeing was that it's it Indiana Jones doesn't even realize it. He doesn't realize... Really? No, nah, I guess that's not true. I was gonna say he doesn't realize how disinterested they are, but he does. Yeah, he does.
1: So and he doesn't I'll... care, and he's, thats he's... what it is—is is that he yeah. doesn't care. Yeah, he doesn't care. He... <laughs> its this. This he said. There's also a line in this scene, which again it feels like saying the quiet part loud, or I'm just gonna have to spoon feed it to you. Again, mm-hmm. that's to the audience, um, right. you shouldn't be—you shouldn't be making a virtue of having to do that. You shouldn't be trying to disguise your bad writing like that. And we there was a bunch of them in the opening scene. I don't want to relitigate that, but you know, he turns to someone and say, "It's a fake. It's a reproduction with his digital face." I know. Yeah, <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. No, it's like it's like. Oh, you know your shortcomings. <laughs>
0: That's even worse. Well, see, what I worried about in that moment was that they never even picked up on it.
1: Uh, but I noticed they don't it understand. Times. I noticed it both times I watched it. I noticed that line um, both times I watched it. So yeah, I'm on the fence whether they know it or not. Hmm. Uh, I think it. I I don't think it's conscious. I don't think it's like self-reference. I think it's just like we know we're doing a bad job, and it's gonna leak out in the script somewhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of subconsciously. Uh, I gotta, like, you know, we always talk about this, that whatever the lesson is in a classroom scene is going to be relevant to the movie, but this takes it to another extreme where, (laughs) you know, it's so, because the thing about X marks the spot was that it's, you can imagine Indy says that in every lesson, Mm -hmm. that it's just like a recurring catchphrase. It's like, remember, X never marks the spot. Mm -hmm, Right. He doesn't cover the the Siege of Syracuse in every lesson, right? This is a massive coincidence. (laughs) Probably the biggest in history. Sure. That he's about to go on this adventure that involves exactly what he is talking about.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Word for word. Yeah, it's a good thing that Helena
0: sat in on this lesson. And not yesterday's lesson or the next day's lesson or... Yeah, the next classes lesson.
1: And again, the the movie is sort of pushing the line that uh, this is maths, this is a math science based fantasy storyline, mm-hmm. focusing on Arthur Archimedes, and again a rebuttal to the ancient aliens theory of of crystal skull because it's very much like people from ancient civilizations, non American American civilizations, had this all figured out prior to, you know. Uh, modern western civilization mm-hmm. so it's the opposite viewpoint from aliens did it <laughs> <laughs> and i like i like how they're kind of speaking to your point about you know he's looking into the past and everyone else is looking to the future he gets that the tv set is wheeled in by the av club right and, yeah uh, and it's like we shut up it- old man stop yeah. talking about history yeah. And it's literally just like you're being replaced by a by a TV yeah, set, totally. Which is talking about astronauts, and we only saw TV briefly in the last film to just in the nuclear fake nuclear suburb, but to just show that we got we're past TV, mm-hmm. we're post TV. But it's good that we have it again, and it's so important to everyone because I think it was like forty nine to fifty nine was when television became a mass medium. So by sixty seven. 6 sorry 69 69 yeah and obviously the moon landings were one of those huge kind of huge broadcast events that's going to keep television going for decades yeah so it's a nice it's a nice moment there and he just has to stand there and take it mhm uh, another clock he gets a clock for his gold clock for his retirement sure uh, i thought spielberg laid on the visual symbolism thickly but he's he, <laughs> got nothing on James mangold <laughs> Uh, there's more clocks than scenes in this movie. This is where it looks it looks like Indiana Jones is going to walk into a digital background when he comes out of the uh, his office and he gives the gold clock to the clock homeless to guy. the
0: homeless guy. Yeah, that
1: background is so badly integrated into the shot.
0: That one, you're right
1: about. Yeah, Whew. That is I, appalling.
0: I like, I like when he goes into the bar and Helena shows up, Phoebe Waller Bridge. Well, she's been stalking him. She's been stalking him, but I like—I like that he's—I like that he says, "Whatever I did, I apologize," hmm. because it, he kind of just throws it away behind him, like it's something he has to do all the time now. For all he knows, this could be his child with Willie Scott. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's how big a yeah you know, uh, an asshole he's been in the past where he just like, someone says hello to him and he blanket has to say, whatever it is, I apologize.
1: But does this movie think like you're thinking, like, do they think of him as an asshole or do they just think, no, I don't since think so. he, since he's lost, you know, since his marriage is broken up and his son died. That I think that's what they him. think it is. Yeah but i make the other connection i make the other uh, well no i made that connection because i know this movie but i i know the level that this movie's working at but I, I agree with you that that's a good line if you interpret it the way you just interpreted it so i will choose to interpret it that way from now on thank perfect. you perfect um <laughs> but so so helen has been stalking him she's been she she's been at his retirement when the film came out i didn't buy into the idea that she was being established as a surrogate Indiana Jones because it's so easily attached to that toxic fandom of we don't want women we don't want diversity in our mm-hmm. movies we you know we don't want Indi- it's, it, we don't want woke choices all that nonsense yeah like it, it bleeds so easily into that but I gotta say watching it second time round and kind of noticing that that everything is about passing the gauntlet onto her. That's what I noticed this viewing as well. So much so that if you go on the Disney Plus title page for this movie, it's not it's Harrison her. Ford; it's her. It's her and I was like, I assume the they change yeah. those up every so often, but the this I was watching it the day the movie was released. Yeah, and you know the the sort of the 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 joke that's gone around is you know it's Helen and Ashore and the Dial of Destiny, and I've always sort of scoffed at that, but watching it this time, I'm like. I really noticed it on this viewing. I think they're trying to do that in the movie, and I think retrospectively they might be trying to do that with publicity.
0: Well, I don't, I don't know. I, You know, I'm of two minds about that because... I mean, they walk think... it
1: back again.
0: Right. Just like Mutt, they walk it back. They walk it back. Yeah. So there's that. On top of it, I wonder how much of what she's doing, say, jumping onto the trunks of cars... <laughs> she does a lot of that our, our uh, it feels like it's a byproduct of well we'd rather have Indiana doing this like if, if yeah. Harrison Ford wasn't 80 he'd do it but he's 80 so she'll do it that's what it felt like to me it didn't feel like
1: it didn't feel like
0: a real purposeful passing of the gauntlet to her but it should have been because it's there it's in there
1: yeah it's, it's woven
0: into the fabric of the but story but to me it it's not deliberate yeah. enough.
1: Okay. They're not just doing it with her. I mean in the opening scene they do Basil's the one who shoots the Nazi. Mm-hmm. And you can't help but think in, in, in an earlier movie that I mean he's not supposed to Basil's supposed to be older than him at that point. So it doesn't really make yeah. sense, but it's just like it's setting you up for a movie where Indiana Jones is is not going to do much. And he's not going to be the yeah. one who Seals the deal on every action scene, mm-hmm. and it's a strange. But there are also some. I, I well, and again, maybe I'll save it's, it. But, you, but you're absolutely right. It's about managing the problem of having an eighty year old man as your action hero. Yeah, that's but what it no felt one, like to me. But no one's thinking about the logic of doing that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is something that was not was not publicized and obviously would have not been publicized that one of the people who wrote crystal skull wrote this movie (laughs) and i see a lot of continuities from the you know that like david david cope co-wrote this movie and crystal skull Mm -hmm. and that's not never been talked about it's so interesting but they're continuing that subversive commentary of i guess the last two films we've had it since donovan right where the 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 Americans uh, oh yeah Nazi collaborators and so and... this
0: is strange to me this choice of the movie I guess because I you know that this was probably that this was involved you know that Germans that some Germans came over here that they helped us with some things that yes. maybe some of us them were unsavory but with my idea of recorded history it wasn't just one
1: guy No, absolutely. Well, uh, this is the other problem is that it's only this and Crystal... It's only this movie and Crystal Skull that link the micro-history that happens in the Indiana Jones films to larger historical events. Like, Mm -hmm. it's revealed that Voller, who is the character that we meet in the opening, has in the interim, has put astronauts on the moon. Yeah, And of course, Crystal Skull, there's interaction with Area Fifty One, mm-hmm. but in the previous Indiana Jones movies, even though we're alluding to the history around what was happening in this period, nothing they did affected anything on a right. geopolitical scale. On a, but yeah, exactly. In both these movies, you know, the discover basically the discovery of aliens in a Amer- you know American culture has an alien event. We go to space. Those are two big things that char- that the mm-hmm. characters in our movies contributed to to the point where if you take them out of the equation, these things wouldn't have happened. Right, exactly. So it's a bigger move than they probably think it is to say that, oh yeah, he put astronauts on the moon.
0: And not to mention, you know, he's working with CI, one CIA agent and then clearly other Nazis that I guess the CIA just hasn't picked up on. But they all seem so clearly villainous yeah. <laughs> that... Well... Uh, Thanks for it's, getting us to the moon. Now we're going to put you in jail, is what I would say. You know,
1: and it, it's a continuation. It, it go from Donovan to, the, you know, the the idea of the witch hunt, the, the anti-communist witch hunt in *Christmas sure. Skull*, which is done with subtlety and nuance. This isn't here. It's just like you know the yeah right those on the fascist those on the right wing side of American politics uh, have decided to become Nazis, and it's really interesting that like. Uh, the people who defend this movie, you, uh, I remember uh, there was a a conversation online. Um, someone had put out. It's like I can't believe we have to keep going back to the well of Nazis. Mm-hmm. And the uh, cartoonist Joe Data, who writes for the New Yorker, kind of responded like, "Are you talking about America or the movie?" <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> you know, fair point. Yeah. America hasn't moved beyond neo Nazis. Yeah, why should why should these movies? Why should
0: Indiana Jones?
1: Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, I do think I think there's a way in which they could have just been fascists instead of Nazis. Mm-hmm. Uh, having them, yeah, having right. Them, I mean, I know they're like, having them dress up in well, Nazi uniforms. I get the story reason for that because they think they're going back to Nazi Germany. Although right. by that point. It's cuckoo bananas anyway, but uh, they could have turned up in fucking, you know, uh, dressed as cheese puffs. It would have made as much sense. But um... <laughs> put <laughs> but, your but Teletubby anyway, costume on, yeah. I said Schnell. But I, I, I think, I think the way that Crystal Skull explores it, where you just get this sense of, "Huh, we fought this war, and it still seems like." There's a lot of fascism in America that needs to be taken care of. I'd like this movie to kind of go on that level and not just like, you know, mm-hmm. there are a bunch of Nazis who want to take, you know, it's like the American yeah. intelligence who clearly, infiltrated t- who clearly have, by yeah, who clearly want to take over
0: and 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 rewrite history. Yeah, and you're gonna help them do it.
1: But I'm in two minds. The government, the... I mean. Yeah. Because one of the things that is lost here from not having Lucas and Spielberg is the dimension of uh, making movies not just set in the period of history, mm-hmm. but also in the period of cinema, because it right. doesn't feel like a late 60s, early 70s movie. That was the other
0: thing for me that I... Because you gave so much play about the 50s and the idea yeah.
1: of, of aliens and there's not that intentionality
0: that intentionality is not in this movie it's
1: not but the nazi choice is the kind of is a flavor of that you know movies like the boys from brazil and they saved hitler's brain i don't know if that's real or that's a simpsons pastiche but i don't know but yeah there were a lot of those movies around that time about ex-nazis hiding out in south america trying to reanimate hitler and i guess there's a lot of crossover here but mm-hmm. it's still they haven't they certainly haven't captured the feel of, uh, of what it would be like you know, the new Hollywood essentially, right? You know the beginnings of uh the beginnings of new Hollywood. Easy Rider, Butch Cassidy, and yeah, the like like there's a when he when he's on the subway there's a little French connect it's a little bit French connectiony there's a little bit of Planet mm. of the Apes when he gets on the horse but. Apart, yeah. I'm reaching because I think they just forget to add that dimension. In I think so going. too. I, th- yeah. I think
0: you know they're just not playing on that level.
1: Yeah, I mean they do it with the they do it with the Bond movies because being set in the '60s or the late '60s, it frees them up to put actual Bond imagery on screen. And there's a couple of times that they do that, obviously with this CIA agent we're about to meet. I mean, she looks exactly like Rosie Carter from Live and Let Die, and I don't think that's an accident.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But, again, it's really just that. <laughs> Never mind. See, let's I, I, I think it could be an accident. <laughs> I don't think that was an accident, no. It's just too, that's, that's too close. To quote Lando. Uh, too close. <laughs> I don't like how this uh, African-American actor is... Uh... <laughs> okay,
0: that's my next note. It's
1: put on display for us to be racially abused.
0: Why do we have the antagonism of this poor black hotel worker?
1: Because they... This is... Again, it's like the cynical thought. It's like, oh, we will... uh, We'll do diversity by having a scene about racism. It's like, no. Diversity is when you put black (laughs) actors in your... You know, people of color in your movie because you think that they'd be right for the role. Not because you... Want for them to stand right. there and take racism and take abuse. abuse. <laughs> and what it doesn't add anything. Doesn't we add know anything. We know he's a. We know he's. We a know Nazi. he's
0: a Nazi. We we think
1: we we understand what his views are. We like he was. Yeah, he's more right wing than Hitler. No, oh I mean, God. this has been established. He's a critic of Hitler. <laughs> It's like those people he who said say Hitler Trump got doesn't... it wrong. Yeah, he's like he's like people who say Trump doesn't go far enough. Yeah. <laughs> and they're they're really laying on the sort of passing the gauntlet stuff in the scene between Helena and Yeah, Wendy's. I noticed like, that I too. I just graduated in archaeology. Mm-hmm. It's like even more than mutt, I think. No, I agree. She's, that she's uh she's taking over. I like that that they do a non-verbal reference to Henry's grail obsession. I don't like that they feel like they have to follow it up with dialogue. So mid-scene, she mentions, you know... um, uh, All of her father's. Chasing your father's obsession, and Indy does a look. Yeah. Which is like, and because Harrison Ford's so good, it's like the whole of Last Crusade flashes before his eyes in a second. Right. That is all you need. But by the end of the scene, you know, he says, "What she, he has to say, Why would you spend your life trying to follow your father's obsession? She's like, Wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh huh <laughs> I did. Uh,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> the reference is so clear just by that look. Yeah. And you've hired an actor who can fucking do that with just a sideways glance. Why do you need more than that? But she has to add
0: uh, the dialogue of. Uh, Including, let's, you know, come on one more time. You're going to go out with a bang back in the saddle.
1: She talks in meaningless buzzwords throughout the scene. It's like every piece of her dialogue comes from the original pitch for the movie. Yeah, right. And they they do overlapping exposition, which I think they think makes it gets it done faster and makes it clearer. But it must be distracting because I didn't remember any of this.
0: Oh, I think they think it shows
1: some kind of chemistry. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah. 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 Sometimes chemistry is nonverbal as well. Sure. But you wouldn't know it. <laughs> I
0: also have this note because, so after that scene, Indiana just takes her to the dial. So the MacGuffin hmm. is, or oh, well, half the dial, but it just, you know, it's it feels like the MacGuffin is just sitting
1: somewhere where Indiana knows where it is. He's like, here it is. There you go. And, Again, you have to you, you have to reckon so much to suspend disbelief that Indy has a lifelong commitment to this many artifacts. Mm-hmm. And now, because you've moved him to New York, that means he's been taking this with him wherever he moved, wherever right. he goes. And we know he's moved. He's like he's done one big move from. Uh, where are they in? Where's Marshall College? It's like, I do supposed to be New England or something like that. But it's not New York, right? He's, got to, he's right. got to make a move. So he had to source a place that he could hide this MacGuffin, along with all the other MacGuffins that he's across yeah. the Coronado. Well, no, that's the thing. In previous movies, it's easy because it goes, Marcus, here's Take the MacGuffin. This. <laughs> <laughs> but this one, hes he's been moving whenever he moves house. Yeah. It's fuck. I mean, he's moved house at least three times since the beginning of Raiders. Oh, it's just I, I. this this is one of the moments where I thought, actually, if Crystal Skull didn't exist, this would be a nice callback to the uh, warehouse in Raiders. The I, yeah, it's, like, I had the that mod- thought. The, the sort of the, the it's his own personal. Yeah. yeah, it's his own personal warehouse. And they could I had have that afford- note. They could have afforded, if they hadn't already burned it, to do the na, na, na kind of sound. Right. But they can't, because Crystal Skull fucked that up for them. <laughs> and this is where we get the idea that this is going to be a time travel movie, because they talk about...
0: Predicting fi- the well, fissures yeah, in time.
1: fissures in time. And I'm not sure what I like least, that we're doing time travel, or that Indy doesn't believe that time travel's possible after all <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> There's this, I don't think it's it's much later in the
0: movie, but when he has that line about I don't believe in magic, but there's a couple times in yeah. my life I'm like more than a couple, Indy. More, more you than should absolutely
1: couple. believe in all types of magic based on your life experience. <laughs> your mind should be sufficiently open now for you to entertain the possibility of time travel. Oh my God, I want what I want to talk so is... I d I I don't know if you May you were... I remind you you watched interdimensional beings fly away. Okay. Fair fair enough. Oh yeah, no, I know. I thought I thought that was an attack on me. That was an no, attack on him. <laughs> that's an attack on him. But I'm showing I'm showing my uh, the weaknesses of my argument there. I like that you <laughs> thought it would
0: automatically be an attack on you. Well, no, I was just I was it means just I'm like, doing my job. Right. I was just
1: like, but I'm gonna go. You know, I, we're <laughs> post inter interdimensional beings, so how much can I actually go after time travel? But I wanted to bring up that very subject mm-hmm. because uh, I don't know if you realize how quite how much of a setup it was when we did a watch along of Young Indiana Jones earlier on this year. Okay. But, I just wanted to have all our. Pre- I I chose it specifically because I wanted it, all our predictions about Dial of Destiny to be on record in case any of them came true. We could go back to them and look very smart, and you know, clever. I don't remember. We we we. Were I we, mean, we, were time we travel. In the was, time travel was already out there in the ether. We'd seen photos of Roman soldiers fighting. I I head cannoned it that this was going to be part of like a a prelude where, you know, you see the origins of the Dial of Destiny and you see it, like, pass between different people's hands over history and there wasn't going to be any time travel involved. But I knew there was a possibility if that shot exists, then there could also be time travel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember mentioning time travel out loud and you were like, no, they can't. They can't do that. They can't. (laughs) They're not going to do that. And in the back of my mind, I was like, I was like, oh I can't that, wait that. to I felt shove really, it in his face no no like a pie. No, uh, the, the total opposite. I was like, oh, I feel really bad for you because I'm, I'm, I've accepted <laughs> that it's a distinct possibility, even though I don't want it to happen. But you're not even at that stage of acceptance yet. No, no still yeah, I'm, the denial I'm like, stage. I'm like Indiana, like Jones, in I'm like Indiana, Indiana deni- Jones in this yeah. movie. I'm like Indiana Jones <laughs> in this movie. You're at the denial stage of of grief. So. Grief, yes yeah but anyway we'll talk about how the, the time travel but i just wanted to to let you know that that was a big setup that's great two or more of the university staff are murdered yes and i don't how, know how this feel little
0: about... miniature plot line that indiana jones is going to be blamed for this murder yeah that lasts for about 15 minutes is sort of beyond me it's the fugitive i mean it's the fugitive it's totally the fugitive but he's you know they record those calls i think even in 1969 yeah they were probably recording 911 calls <laughs> right because I, I he's on the yeah. phone when somebody says
1: put that phone down <laughs> okay. i'd have to i'd have to look at that dragnet reboot in the 60s and see yeah. what the situation was but i expect so but it's interesting because again there's a cold-blooded turn in each of the movies mm-hmm like even when even when you don't quite expect it, like the three guys getting shot back to back, you're just like, yeah. "Whoa, that's that's dark." You're like, "Well, at least they're Nazis." And then there's the whole second act of Temple of Doom, but um, this just seems gratuitous and unconnected in a way that those don't for some yeah. reason. Like it, it's, it doesn't. It's like this comes out of left field. And I remember listening to um, Matt podcast and Matt Myra talking about it, and this was mm. one of his least favorite parts of the the movie that. That, that these people were just were just kind of ruthlessly murdered without any kind of uh concern the movie them sacrifices
0: far... them for yeah. no good reason
1: and I I sort of I feel hypocritical think I feel exactly the same but I feel hypocritical thinking that looking back to at the, the rest screws, of the movies Last crusade, yeah. say that of course most of temple of doom but <laughs> nonetheless I do think there's there's a there's a disconnect. There, I think, yeah, that makes this feel more callous mm-hmm. than those scenes. <laughs> Bearing in mind, I realize a guy has a heart pulled out of his body and it sets on fire. I, I, I mean, I'm not denying context, that. Yeah, I'm not denying that that happened, even though I was I never an innocent saw, man. <laughs> even though I didn't see it until I moved to America. Right. But um. So. Yeah, and. With all the kind of the CIA traitors, and now it's revealed that Helena's deceiving Indy.
2: Mm-hmm. We've
1: not solved the Mac problem, right? We're still having characters going back and forth in terms of trust with Indy throughout the movie. So At least if he's you were, kind if you were of trying behind to the resolve... eight ball
0: again with with yeah. Helena. You know.
1: Yeah, he doesn't see it coming. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But and I, have, you know, we have a it, golden Iraq fall. So yeah, I have. Uh, I wrote down "Old Man Shelf Escape," and <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a, a, a dance that was popular for a very short amount of time. <laughs> everybody short. do the Old Man Shelf Escape <laughs> for one weekend. <laughs> everybody was doing the Old Man
0: Shelf Escape. <laughs>
1: But it also felt
0: like it's one of those things where, you know, these Nazis had just shot two innocent people, at least mm. two. Yeah, I think more. And and then they find Indiana Jones. There's no sense that at this moment in
1: time, Voller thinks he needs him. Well, he doesn't even know... The, the dr jones is
0: oh he's not in the room yet right no. he still back Bola, at, he's Bola's back at the hotel Bola's so it's still just in his hotel room it's just the henchman american waiters <laughs> yeah it's just the henchman by the way the henchman you know i uh, you know sorry to say it to uh what's his name
1: boyd holbrook yeah boyd holbrook
0: just kind of a lackluster uh, uh henchman
1: seen... yeah have you seen the the honest trailer for this movie no take a look because i I haven't seen enough of the films to know but uh Boyd Holbrook is notorious for being the least liked character in every franchise reboot of the over the past ten years and the evidence is staggering I mean is I that I, how I mem- people feel about him in Logan and justified hmm he was the he was the surrogate uh um, Walton Goggins in just- yeah. in the Justified reboot, and uh, th- the evidence is staggering. I don't want to, you know, this. I feel like this guy. He. You don't need to pile on. I don't need to pile on, and and you know, it's like he he's trying to work in a moment in American cinema where, yeah, characters just get eaten up and spit spit out. So it's not really his fault, but it is it is kind of interesting that that this movie is kind of fitting into that franchise pattern of all the new characters are garbage and we have no interest or, or um, investment in any of them. Yeah. And you've already talked, you've already talked about surrogate Pat Roach. Right. Or as I call him, not Roach.
0: (laughs) When I I look at the not Roach of this movie, I keep thinking to myself, what's his name? Oliver Richter's. Mm -hmm. I think Hawk. Hawk. Yeah. Uh I keep I, all I keep thinking is is that a CGI person? <laughs> Cuz it doesn't look real.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's a man created by mirrors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The, that's the thing like the irony of this is we're gonna find out that all the backgrounds are real but the people are fake but the people are fake oh, oh my, my god that is
0: anyway, incredible my overall point was when they <laughs> come god. into so to Indy's warehouse <laughs> and he does the old man old man shelf escape yeah you know, it, w- it would have been so easy for them to just shoot him He's just standing on top of that perch for quite some time, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know? And these are the limitations of <laughs> kind of dealing with an 80-year-old man, I think. Well, speaking And the of movie both... isn't solving that
1: problem well all the time. And, and, and it doesn't help with the cross-cutting that they do, because Helen is, like, jumping over rooftops. But not and...
0: super nimble.
1: <laughs> no, but but she's, she's doing all the adventuring, and we see Indiana Jones scrambling to use a phone. I know. <laughs>
0: what is this thing?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I I'm used to the one way where, where you where you speak. You pick up the receiver. You pick you go, up. Yeah, exactly. Give me Klondike Four. and that's... Oh, mercy! And he may... <laughs> so, yeah, he gets. He has another bag on his head. Because mm-hmm. James Mangold wants you to think they did that for aesthetic reasons, not because they didn't want to have to work couldn't show so a his shitty face. face. Yeah, we get dragged in. He gets dragged into a Vietnam War protest, which is the second protest we've had in two movies. Mm-hmm. Um, that he that an action scene <laughs> leads into <laughs> leads into right, but it's and again, it's like uh, this movie's pretty good about showing because that oh, we're. A- uh, that protest to... was and was like anti communist. This is not pro communist but pro ending the Vietnam War and mm-hmm. which is fighting communism. So Yeah. It shows the, the kind of the, the shifting of the of the cultural goalposts in American youth since then.
0: Right. But uh, then we're about to meet our second African American character who's gonna get quickly shot. And do you hear him get shot
1: off screen, or did I Mandela yeah. affect that? No, I think you do. I think I I was listening for that this time, and I didn't hear it.
0: Really? Damn it! I might have be-
1: because this because this I this might piece... I might
0: have put I might I might have Mandela affected it as well. I might have just put it in well, there no, because I, it felt I like something this it. movie would do.
1: But this this is the problem with this scene because it's so the fugitive that I start to drift and I you know mm-hmm. and I'm just thinking if you've got Harrison Ford on the run in a tweed jacket with his collar turned up, bagpipers in a parade, why not set this movie in Chicago? I mean, if you've gone that far, <laughs> and then did I you thought, notice, oh, I wouldn't like way... to see what they did with CGI Chicago, CGI cargo. Yeah, no, right. No.
0: Did you notice, because I, I don't think I remember noticing this on my first viewing in the theaters, which seems like it would have been more prevalent there. But yeah. there was like, there are moments when he's on that horse where you're seeing CGI Harrison Ford
1: old man face on that horse. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the you know, the unfinished effects of Crystal Skull if this is the finished version then then no they're point, no better th- there's no point finishing them <laughs> yeah uh, cuz the matching of foreground to backgrounds i don't know if it's a byproduct of that or whether they've digitalized his his face but uh, it looks it looks horrible and again it's like a it's like <laughs> forcing the action language of past movies even when it's incongruous to the milieu you're in mhm so He's in the city, but he's on a horse. There's a bike chase, but we're in the city. Right. It's like, I mean, you've made this change. Why not do some? Why not do something urban? Why not have a car chase? Why not have a subway pursuit? I mean, they do, but he's on a horse. Yeah. I get. You know, there are police horses around, I suppose, but that's a bit of a leap. That. That would be your go-to action sequence to do in the middle of New York City, isn't it? I'd want more taking a Pelham one, two, three kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, but I, I think like, you also you also get in... Well, like when you start talking taking a Pelham one, two, three, what they needed was two and a half minutes of subway work. So you can't yeah. you can't you know you can't get
1: into a hostage situation. No, I I just or, mean that I. I don't know what I mean. I mean the French French connection or something like that. Right. We already
0: had one scene of moving up and down a train. So you don't want to Mm. repeat that into the subway scene. Well, we're
1: repeating bikes. True. And we'll repeat bikes and cars endlessly throughout the rest of the movie. The only original vehicle we get is a tuk-tuk. Took Which them. is not original because it comes from Octopussy, but uh, original for this film. Anything from a Bond film that this movie steals is their idea of what's original. That's a scathing but, indictment. I, not not really. It's actually one of the preferable qualities of this movie. <laughs> like when the, when the racks, you know, when the shelves all fall down, I'm like, GoldenEye! <laughs> GoldenEye. All of this... Um, horse in the subway stuff mm-hmm. would be exponentially better if it was all action no words sure yeah hold my horse subway's faster um there's more fugitive he gets recognized from a meet from the tv yeah. image of him which is That's a you. straighter <laughs> yeah straight out of uh and he's wearing the same jacket that he wears in that It scene
0: does well. look like it, doesn't it? He,
1: with he the collar looks, turned up. With the collar turned it's up, too, he looks so
0: too close fugitive. Too close. And the TV moment is the same as the newspaper moment on the subway. Exactly the same fugitive. Yeah. yeah.
1: This is where we Oh, we got Sala back. We re meet Sala. Uh and we'd have to do a lot what of I a like lot of a lot of legwork to explain why Sala is now is a here. cab driver in New York. <laughs> <laughs> Which, when you're going to Morocco after this, right? Totally seems but, a strange choice. <laughs> but when you
0: watch when you watch Salah run to his taxi cab, yeah, and then you see him drop Indy off. At the airport and says, and how about I go with you one more time? And he's Mm. like, it's not just Indiana. It's the movie saying you can't keep up. (laughs) Like Harrison Ford can barely keep up. I apologize. You have to leave the movie. (laughs)
1: good day to you sir <laughs> but why do they but then why do they even bring it up why is it even why isn't it just understood between the characters that he's he's gonna help him escape but he's not gonna go with him oh i agree with you completely, why do we have to have this whole scene about like i brought my passport and i'm coming with you and every to...
0: every scene in this movie is anywhere from one to
1: 18 minutes too long yeah every scene yeah, like he has to. He has to, you know. And we can directly compare it to the Marcus. You know, either Marcus doesn't come and nobody says anything, right? He just goes, "Nah, I, I, am gonna choose not to come." Or I'm he good. just, Thank or he you. invites himself. He's just like, "Make that too. I don't remember <laughs> inviting you, but okay. Uh, but here it's sort of like this, this sort of weird back and forth of, and actually, this again, this is a, this is a better scene than than in the rest of the movie. Yeah. I mean, the scene, first of all, that he takes him back to his home. We're introduced to his uh, family, grandchildren, because Sal always has to be surrounded by children. Mm -hmm. Um, He's dispensing Moroccan facts, seemingly arbitrarily. Sure. Uh, And we're like, we're probably going to have to pay attention to some of this is probably going to matter at some point. The movie has not brought
0: (laughs) up what's going, you know, What's going on with Indiana Jones's personal life really? no until this moment, and this moment is all you need I'll give the movie this moment where he says, why don't you call Marion and she doesn't want to talk oh to
1: yeah me. that's right yeah done yeah. that's it yeah it's all mm-hmm. the
0: information I need I'll just use that as a note for a scene that's coming up later yeah I would have killed her off, but
1: I know oh. you would have you callous uh, bastard no 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 I'm just you know I don't think that <laughs> The movie they want to make, I don't think there's a there's a, a place for her uh, or Mutt, and right. So, I also have a note. They shouldn't for Sala. Be, Neither of them should be part of the plot, if that's the case. But yeah, no.
0: I have no, a note, I, I have uh, a note for Sala. Don't yell the criminal's name as he's getting onto <laughs> an airplane.
1: But do, so I'm trying to figure out. Just they because don't make... you want
0: it to be in the trailer.
1: They don't make this clear, but this time I noticed again, Allah the fugitive, that there seemed he seems to have made like a fake passport for him. There's like a passport and some like scissors and and oh, is that right on the table? Because, I didn't notice that because I was saying yeah. By 1969, it's no problem to call the airport and go. Don't let a man called Henry Jones on the flight right. Who looks like an 80 year old Harrison Ford. That that you think that would be pretty easy. So I think he's there with a fake passport. All right. But it's not clear. It's not clear at all. But again, no. I think they're just thinking people will just assume he did the thing in The Fugitive with the fake ID. Yeah. Where you at, Desmondo? <laughs> well, the when he gets on that airplane. Well, I want to talk. I just just delete. The, the so I like I just because it's a plus and, and a sea of negatives. I like the way that that scene. I quite like the monologue, although I, by the time I saw the movie, I was sick of it because it had been in the trailer. Mm-hmm. In fact, most of the trailer is this scene. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the I like the button of. Uh, he does the sort of the fanfare moment, which is which, right. is which is for the purposes of the trailer, I acknowledge. Give them hell, Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. But that it leads to indie... Like nearly getting run over by a cab. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then a, and then the cut back to a very sheepish looking... <laughs> Salaf. Salaf. I was like, that's good! That's the kind of, of like sloppy indie... That you'd want to see. And, yeah, his, all right. and his sloppy allies I like to see. And I like that that was the... I'm glad that they didn't end it on the fist-raising moment, and that they yeah. undercut it a little bit. That was nice. I'll give them that. Uh, and I quite like the... the I like the monologue as written, but the choice to kind of leave, have him do that monologue and then Indy says, no, you can't come with me. I'm like, well, why even bother doing that monologue if he's not going to go with you? <laughs> yeah, right. Poor guy. Anyway, go go ahead.
0: Well, I was just going to say, because once you get on this airplane, this is the moment. This is what's wrong with movies today. <laughs>
1: we've called Harrison Ford an old man yelling at a cloud now we want to join in yeah two maybe three times
0: when he's talking to Helena he asks her do you remember the last time you saw me that's That's all I need (laughs) the scene that they choose to show you in flashback on this airplane I already had built in my mind I didn't need to see it
1: oh absolutely well it's unnecessary for several reasons because they make the decision to go down the, the de-aging well again. Yeah. But they're not aging up... Toby. Toby Jones. Yeah. Which meant that, again, no consistency, right? There's no... Mm-hmm. who, who no, internal the age, <laughs> no internal logic. No internal logic. And again, the scene is there to sort of push the science again proving it is what makes it science Mm -hmm. so it gives the idea that just because just because Toby Jones comes up with a bunch of dates that's somehow science. science that's just writing down dates in a fiction fictional movie
0: not to mention who decides that something is evil something can cause harm something is terrible and then gives it to someone else but says it must be destroyed if you're that well, he, passionate he, about his it, you friend destroy it.
1: Him. <laughs> by the way, that trust wouldn't have been impacted by them having met on that one that mission. No, not at all. Because they still go back like what twenty? Yeah, twenty years at that point, mm-hmm. or what? It. So this is. I mean, this is Crystal Skull. I mean, it's also. I tell you what, what, is also inconsistent. I don't know how they got this wrong. That like they're not even looking back at the. <laughs> the uh, the how he looked in movie set in previous eras mm-hmm. when they de-age him cuz we're in in the he, he looks pre-temple when you first see that deaged Harrison Ford and he's supposed to be post-crusade yeah right and then when you see him here as far as i can tell in the timeline this is about the time of crystal skull you think but, but he looks more like he does in The Fugitive. Yeah. Well, she's 12. So, well, depend- how old is Helena? Because she's 12 there. That's all we know. You mean when she's Phoebe Waller? How old is she? Oh, so I guess it is more Fugitive time. Oh, okay, just disregard that.
0: <laughs> okay, fine.
1: I was right first time. It's What Lies Beneath Harrison Ford, which you don't need to de-age. But anyway. Yeah. That DH aged
0: look better than the other one though. I disagree. I think it's the worst
1: thing I've ever seen on a in a movie. Worse than the young one? Yeah. Ooh, that looked better me. to me this time. Really? I think it was the smaller screen and the and the fiddle the extra fiddling they've done. It, worked, it
0: looked worse to me than okay. when I saw it on on the big screen. We knew this was going to happen. We knew
1: we were, we were going to go back to it. <laughs> we're <and> reversing. <laughs> I was going to like some things better, and you were going to like some things worse, and we would meet in the middle. That's great. We, we predicted it. Um, so they they get to Morocco. Oh, he gets to Morocco. No, they get to Morocco. They Are they get on to the, the same s- plane? Who fucking cares? It doesn't the matter.
0: Doesn't. They get to the set of Morocco.
1: I assume they were going to meet on the plane, because why do we need the shot of Phoebe Waller-Bridge on a plane? Can't she just turn up in Morocco? She does. Yeah, but we see her on a plane going to Morocco. Do we? Because so it says, like, Royal something Airlines. Well, they're yeah, definitely we not on the same plane. Then... Okay. Never mind. I'm not, I'm not going to start questioning these the, these micro-choices. That um, just assume they're all wrong because they are. Yeah. And the, yeah, this is the first time we see Indiana Jones, the modern day, nineteen sixty nine Indiana Jones. In his costume. In his costume, and he's he's doing the business casual look from Last he's Crusade. Got, yeah, he which is. I think is a great choice.
0: Yeah. For the, no, old, that's for, the right. for
1: the older gentleman. Agreed. <laughs> um, and I like that he's it's introduced in this milieu because. Well, first of all, is what time stands still when he gets in that costume, and even at eighty, yeah, it shaves more than the two. You know, they make the joke about it shaves two years off you, but it's it's way more than that. He 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 does settle back into it, and it helps that they've gone with the business casual look because mm-hmm. that, that he is, looks that is an older indie look.
0: But he looks last... like he
1: could be seventy. <laughs> oh, the crystal skull—he's full on. You know Tom Jones. Yeah,
0: he's got open. Yeah. He, he can family. still go full open chest. Yeah, showing at that at, at the, for
1: that movie. And for a moment, everything feels right. Well, Harrison Ford briefly. and the way he looks, very briefly. <laughs> the bar in Morocco. I'm like, this feel. You know, it's like it looks like Morocco. It looks like the late '60s, or how we know you know morocco from late 60s movies Mm -hmm. obviously the heritage of movies like casablanca and the humphrey bogart of it all that played into the original representation of the character. so i'm like oh just let me settle in let me breathe this in this feels like an indiana jones movie and then helena's doing a fucking auction in another room and then there's this kid who's uh, operating a fake airplane. And I'm yes. like, why did you have to ruin it? I was so happy. <laughs> uh. I was so content just watching launching Space Ramon, Harrison Ford, and now look at the... I agree with
0: you completely. Listen, why don't we let you calm down? We'll take okay. one last break. Oh, I'm not going to calm down, but yes. We will <laughs> and then break. we'll come back because yeah. we've got the set port... The set piece portion of this movie is going to start <laughs>
1: here, and it won't stop till it's done. This is yeah, because this is the point at which you really get the sense they're trying to squeeze several Indiana Jones movies into one canvas. into one
0: into one uh, portion of the movie for sure. One
1: slightly too long movie that feels like it's it's about an hour longer than it is. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back.
0: Does the coronavirus have you feeling oogie? Have you been sitting on your couch for weeks? Nay, have you been sitting on there for months? Well, it's time for you to get back in shape. Check out Two A T Fitness. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. Two A T Fitness was started by Tina Bernard. Go ahead and check out Tua T Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. Here we are. Finishing up with Dial of Destiny. I feel like we're really trashing this
1: movie a lot. Yeah, I, (laughs) I... I tried, I mean... Yeah, it, it's, it, it is what it is. It didn't
0: raise in your estimation.
1: We'll see. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that at the end. All right.
0: So anyway, yeah, we have this auction scene. And mm-hmm. nothing has felt more like a scene designed to be comic and charming. Mm. That was not to me than this scene. Agreed. And I felt a lot of, you know, I I think people talked about Phoebe Waller-Bridge, you know, punching up some of the script. And this very... This one? Just in general.
1: Okay. But
0: this scene felt like it was her dialogue to me. The whole bit about capitalism. I stole it, then I stole it, then I stole it.
1: And that's capitalism. Which is... (laughs) <laughs> I was struck at that moment. I was like, "Say, what you like about Crystal Skull, but that countercultural commentary in that movie is far more nuanced than it is in this one. Mm-hmm. It's not in the dialogue. Yeah, right. It's in the subjects. Also, who's that? Was it her idea to call him Jonesy? Because that leaves a bad taste in a mouth post. Yeah, totally. I,
0: I didn't. I don't think I caught that the first time I saw it. No, when me she neither. said
1: Jonesy this time, I was like, "Oh, oh." <laughs> It would it would have only been redeemed if if Indy was like, "Don't ever call me that again." Yeah, that would have been great. It just be like, you be like, "Enough said." Oh Enough man, said. I I mean, as soon as you see the kid with the with the plane, you know what's gonna happen thing. at the end of this movie. And this is exactly the kind of and talk you know, about when, when we were... more magical thinking, right? But think like also when you actually look at it. You could have reverse engineered it better than that. But anyway, that's what they chose to go with. We have actually they did they they made this they, they did something as bad earlier on in the movie where they put the CIA supervisor on crutches for no other reason than he's slow to pick up right. yeah, yeah. the traders in his organization. That's the only reason he's on crutches. And it's that kind of writing. It's exactly what I'm talking about when we went back to last when we talked about Last Crusade. And I said that, rather than having him count yeah, right. in Latin at the beginning of the movie, they have him count in Greek, so that you know he knows classical languages, but it's not as on the nose as saying we've set up. That, that ends up Latin, playing at, so the, end we'll of up at the end of this movie. Sure, yeah, but I mean, this this is literally like you know it's Chekhov's fake airplane, <laughs> 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 which is a which is a phrase I never thought I'd need to come up with in my life. But everything—it's Chekhov's dynamite stick, Chekhov's lighter, Chekhov's bottle of sure. booze. It—it's it, like nothing can just be what it is. Um, and I find it—it's really that was a moment where I was like, "You, like, you screenwriters who fought a, you know, strike over several months to allow you to do this work, choose right. to spend your time when you're actually allowed to do it, <laughs> writing this shit." Good on you for getting a great deal. Bad on you for fucking wasting that opportunity you have. And this is it's it really interesting, like there's moments in the movie where I moments in the movie where I'm like, hmm, they haven't done the thing that we need to do in Indiana Jones movies yet. And then a minute later, they'll pay lip service to it. And I'm like, <laughs> they're thinking the same thing while they're reading the scripts. <laughs> While they're writing the script, they're going, "Oh shit! I forgot to put in anything about yeah. him being a grave robber." Okay, I'm let's not have a, grave a conversation robber. between him. A rushed, a ru- and it, it is foolproof every single time. I mm-hmm. think of something that they forgot to do; it'll suddenly appear in a rushed... as the bullets are flying, begrudging, late fashion in the next scene. Because this whole scene, like. They this is the scene where you could talk about him being yeah. a grave robber in the middle right. of this auction, and but they, they do it do. later when they get downstairs, like, and the bullets are flying. But they right. do it later because they forgot, they missed their opportunity. Off- well, and also, the boat you
0: know, there's always one. a thing to me in Indiana Jones movies where Indiana Jones gets caught a lot, or is in rooms with his enemies a lot, and in some of the movies it seems like there's some heavy lifting going on to like why harm is not coming to Indiana Jones. And in other movies it happens, you know, with the greatest of ease. Maybe it's because you have Steven Spielberg at your disposal.
1: You're, I think, I think that's what it is. And, and it's interesting because my note for this nonsensical, so stupid comes out of the auction scene. It's so stupid, but it's choreographed like a dance. With no visceral quality, so essentially it's the opening of Temple of Doom without any teeth, right? Spielberg remembers to factor in the, 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 you know, the the vampire kebab or something that reminds you that actions have consequences. This just feels like you know we've choreographed this this kind of action sequence. Well, and and Spielberg is able to. I mean, maybe it's just
0: the the virtue of a bigger room too, but. He, you know, Spielberg can. Yeah, Spielberg can. You know, uh, in in Temple of Doom, it's it's you know too much to drink, Doctor Jones, followed by the kebab, which insu you know brings about uh, chaos.
1: Yeah. Oh, don't! I know. That. I'm sorry, but when so
0: when chaos <laughs> starts in you? that movie, there's. <laughs> there's there's so much that's that there to protect indiana jones he and some of it is his own doing yeah. ice falling on the floor but the balloons that he does the night the sword that he gets that drops the gong here they're all so enclosed there's you know the idea of him using yeah. the whip and backing off and then the guns come out and then they all shoot but they like like 12 guns miss him mm-hmm. and then what they're all reloading so that he can get out of that room and watch Mads Mikkelsen go down
1: in the elevator. Yeah, <laughs> And, you know, the, again, and we haven't talked about this yet, but uh, the second half of the movie is where you really see it. But this movie, we said this off yeah. mic, this movie yeah. loves Temple of Doom. I know. And it makes me feel bad for James Mangle that, that he is so incapable of doing this because... He believes in that don't, movie in a yeah. way that Lucas and Spielberg don't and is hap- happy to put as many <laughs> references to that movie in here as possible. And as you said, it's seemingly the only yeah. <laughs> adventure that Indy remembers at any point, at any point in, the, in this movie. But from the opening scene, we get that, you know, when he's hanging, uh, he's hanging on the floorboards. John Williams sprinkles in a little bit of the, um, the temple the, hanging scene of the Yeah, the, right hanging you know the the whip on the ceiling fan there's a lot of temple (laughs) lateral moves in these scenes um like the gun like where because they do you know they reinvert the the harris the indy pulling a gun on people yeah so he whips them they all pull out guns, which is a sort of a back and forth between does Indy, does Indy pull a gun or does he bring another weapon to the night? and sure. going back and forth with through this throughout the movies. And it's, it's good sloppy Indy, but it doesn't seem heroic. It just seems like, oh, this, this mm-hmm. Indy is off the pace and out of his depth, which is not the point that the, the original ones were making. They were just like, yeah. he's a bit sloppy, but he gets the job done. This is like, oh, he's outmatched. <laughs> What does that mean? Not only well, is he why, outmatched, why like, Braun
0: wise this... but it's like he's being out-thought, too. <laughs> you know?
1: And you don't want yeah. that from your Indiana Jones. You'd, absolutely, yeah. No. No. Exactly. Yeah. He's lost the heroism. And this subplot of the gangsters, which, uh, in retrospect, I can see Salah was setting up when he's randomly dispensing mm-hmm. facts about Morocco out in his, in his apartment. It just weighs down an already languid movie. Like... When those, it's like I could not tell what's you what's going people on, are, yeah, what like, impact they have on the plot, and I know so I know because of how the rest of this movie's gone. Yes, don't commit, don't invest. It, is it? It's is it really not <laughs> enough? Just let that it happen. He's
0: they're chasing Mads Mikkelsen in the tuk-tuk?
1: Like we have we have to add the gangsters. No, per- they have to. I have that exact same note of just like like they they it's it's they have to be chased and ch- they have to be chasing mm-hmm. and be chased at the same time and that's the best <laughs> idea they've come up with easy i mean having said that i think the tuk tuk chase of all the action i know it's a low bar but of all the action sequences in the movie uh-huh. this is my favorite by far um i mean it's just ripping from octopussy but
0: well i think it also is it's it's not handled as well but it reminds me of the the chase mm. in C- Crystal Skull, like with, on the college campus and that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, yeah. It, it's closer to that than, than the rest of the set pieces in the movie. Uh, but the mm-hmm. backgrounds are still terrible. I mean... I, this is where I had the thought that the backgrounds outside the tuk-tuks might as well be that Scooby-Doo ro- ro- rotating backdrop, you know, when you see the same three people go by. <laughs> it would remind
0: you a lot of uh, portions of the Indiana Jones ride had yeah. you been on it.
1: There you go. There you go. But
0: you don't want your movie to look like no. the ride.
1: You want it the other way around. Yeah. You want it, want the roller coaster scene from, uh, from um, Temple of Doom. Mm-hmm. And they're really going, they're thinking in Bond terms about this action sequence because we get a donkey reaction shot at one point. <laughs> but instead of the, the, the classic double take that we get in Moonraker from the pigeon, it's more of a, what do you want from me? <laughs> I, I It's not my movie. I can't help yeah. you. What do you want from me? Uh, <laughs> one tuk-tuk goes one way, one goes the other. <laughs>
0: Oh, it's good.
1: Yeah. But this is where we get,
0: you know, this is when I, when I was watching this scene and as Helena started jumping on trunks Mm. and catching hands with guns or Mm. knives before they could get to her and slamming them on the trunk and that kind of thing. That's what I thought to myself. You know, she's even got her own short round. And so we've.
1: Yeah, we, Well, they're, tra- sh- they're trying to force a man-woman-child trio yeah. a la yeah. Temple of Doom, but they're doing it in, like, the second... Well, not even in the second hour of the movie, but, what like, a good hour into the movie.
2: hmm.
1: So, and she's... You know, she comes across... And again, this is a problem when you cast someone who is a good actor, but make them... But make the wrong character choices. It's the same with Phoebe Waller-Bridge, because she her character is made hateful in these scenes mm-hmm. and she is an actor knows how to do that so she's extremely unlikable for about yes. the next hour yeah. of the movie
0: because i also don't understand you know you have you mentioned that speech earlier in the movie when indiana jones brings up why would you be obsessed mm-hmm. with what your dad was obsessed and she says wouldn't you she doesn't seem obsessed at all. She wants to sell the dial. She's just about the bucks. Yeah. And so I couldn't... and she
1: she seems to hate Indy and what he represents. Yeah. Right. And she's duplicitous. She's like, it. You know, this in these scenes she's just abusing him verbally. And not only do you not need to do that to suggest that that's what the character thinks about Indy, it it really turns you off investing in the character. Hmm. And she keeps fucking up as well. That's the other thing. It's like, even when they try and build in a redemption arc, it's a bumpy one. Yeah. Because she keeps she keeps making moral mistakes along the way. Right. Yeah, I, I, once the... So, another bloated action sequence that is generally better than the others in the movie, but still pretty... Too long. Longer, too long. Yeah. We have the conversation about the, the Wright brothers... <laughs> <laughs> Which I did like again because it gave me that young Indiana Jones flavor of like in every episode he meets a historical celebrity. So I did like the question of did you meet the the Wright brothers, and it's also <laughs> a sense of like this is the the movie's only way of trying to explain Indiana Jones to young people, right? Through yeah. this through this kid, it's like. These are the questions that kids who don't understand why anyone cares about Indiana Jones might have. It's like, did you hang out with the Wright brothers? And he's like, no, that was the Civil War. I was in the 1930s. (laughs) I realize I'm old. I'm not that old. Um, Yeah. And then they do the, again, like they won't leave the Grail diary comparisons alone because we have to do the inversion of Helena remembers everything that was in her father's notebooks as opposed Mm -hmm. to henry's dad forgetting it all because
0: now she's and it,
1: that's not a joke like she's the, like the ethan hunt. good
0: joke now she's like ethan hunt in <laughs> the mission <laughs> impossible series i was like what i'll the take fuck? your word
1: for it <laughs> does he have a photographic it. memory there's one of the movies at the end <laughs> he, he, does he have a conveniently photographic memory at he one point? memorizes
0: something that helps him in the plot yeah
1: <laughs> excellent
0: it's great. And then
1: we have a we have a, a a stem puzzle in the middle of all this where uh he <laughs> yeah. plugs up the the engine with chewing gum because it's got yeah. yeah. <laughs> so again, this movie's sort of like it's sort of like science works everyone. When we're I, not cl- we're not we're not science deniers just because right. we have time travel in he's, our movies. He's,
0: he's got a bit of a MacGyver in him. But I remember as I was watching this movie I thought isn't time of the essence right now? Like, the fucking Nazis are getting on a goddamn plane. Aren't mm. you hurrying? Why are we taking time fixing this fucking tuk-tuk? Just steal another one. You guys don't have I... any problem stealing people's vehicles. In,
1: in, in But the I realize this... it was
0: only just to bring up that one point. It was for yeah. the science thing.
1: And in the context of the experience of watching this movie, I was grateful for the breather, and I was grateful that we could have a bit of a character moment with Indy. But yeah, I just But it's a, by, it's a byproduct. That's not that's not why. And again, if you th- if you think one step further about why the scenes in there, you realize it's exactly as you as you portrayed it. Yeah. Something else that's done late and begrudgingly. The laser line map. That's what I said. I wrote an hour and 13
0: minutes until the map is seen. Also, it's the worst map we've ever seen.
1: Well, it doesn't feel like James Mangold is invested in this technique. No. Which is crazy because it's, as we've said before, it's literally the only stylistic device that links all All the films together. And he's sort of, it's a cartoon plane, the lines going south, the music is like a public domain version of the Raiders theme. Everything about it. It's worse. I'll tell you what, it's worse than the Treasure Buddies version of this.
0: (laughs) Everything about it screams. I guess I have to do this.
1: Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. And that should not be the level of enthusiasm about getting to make an Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, totally. Indy's got I, another lifelong friend. He's got another lifelong friend.
0: My note is he, he he doesn't meet, but he sees Antonio Banderas. And this movie has to show you that they're lifelong friends. And the only way they can do that is by having both of them constantly laugh. Yep, they're both yep. going ah,
1: <laughs> and that's well, how you
0: know they're the best of friends.
1: I I remember, I think it was on Indiana Jones minute where they were like, uh, they, their reaction was, I really thought this is going to be Kananga. That's what I thought. As soon and as I, they, as soon as they mentioned old friend and boat, but that would have really helped because then you don't have to do any of the work that they do in those scenes. Right. To make it look like they like each other. <laughs> it's like if you know that one guy saved the other. Sure. You that that is already, you know, that it's is. It's all built in. And the way he's in when Antonio Banderas is introduced, it's as if we the audience are supposed to know who he is. And it's like this movie yes. goes from one extreme to the other. It's either all for the audience's benefit or all <laughs> for the benefit of the people on screen, excluding yeah. the audience. Yeah. I
0: remember thinking they're treating Antonio Banderas as if he's Kanaga, but. Yeah. But not letting us in on that, you know? No. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Well, yeah. Uh, on the other hand, Harrison Ford really knows how to wear a shirt. Sure. Because he's, when he's on the boat, he gets the Egypt look from Raiders, which is one of his, I think, most attractive looks ever. Yeah. It's just shirts seem to hang on him in an iconic way. Mm-hmm. Even now, he's still, you know, he's th- that f- that film star residue still. Still oozes from him, I think. Yeah, but the crew, I mean, they look like they're out of Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's like if you go back to Raiders, when you see the crew on Kananga's boat, you're like, some of them look way too 1970s for this 1930s boat. Like there's <laughs> a guy with like the the cross. The, band- I mean, the Yeah, the He band- looks like fucking B.A. Baracus. <laughs> but this looks like a Disney cartoon. When is that guy, that guy playing the accordion? I was like, right. is this a scene from Lady and the Tramp? What the fuck is going on?
0: <laughs> it looks straight out of the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, for sure.
1: Yeah. And then you get the scene that we previously talked about. Uh, yeah. Yeah a few times in my life they try and address the multi-faith aspects the fact that he he can believe both in a Hindu god and a Judeo-Christian god and and it's just semantics right they're just trying to talk around it with semantics if you don't actually get anywhere right and then a a moment that you I know you said you quite enjoyed the first time you saw it um where he talks about Mutt I didn't say I liked the moment Mike you're frozen
0: (laughs) (laughs) I, I think your zoom is frozen. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to remember. I don't think I said I liked the moment. You said you what liked. His I acting. said was I liked his yeah. performance overall, in his performance. It's funny you bring this up because the first time I watched this so movie, I I thought, I thought you could read, like his kind of depression throughout the whole movie. I didn't get it as much on this particular watching. Interesting. But I got it more. Did you? Cause I, thought I, was I think like, also, because I really like connected when, to that the first time I saw it. When he's that- in
1: the archive, um, and he's talking about the, the... the He's giving the exposition of the Dial of Destiny mm-hmm. to Helena. I was like, Harrison Ford sounds genuinely bored, and it is bumming me out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it's boredom with what he's doing. I think it's like, that's where the movie has put the character and he's just playing along. Um, And I had a similar feeling here. It's like, like, you want me to invest in this bullshit Disney killed off mutt thing? I'm going to wring all the emotion out of it. I can.
0: No. So I love his performance of the moment. Yeah. In this scene. But having seen the thing earlier, the thing with Marion with Sala really hit mm. me this time, and to me oh, okay. it was kind of like all you need.
1: If you yeah, because we because they have a connection, they the three right. of them have a connection. They the yeah.
0: three of them have a connection. They do,
1: and it's true. I I liked the
0: performance of it. To me, it felt a little too heavy-handed for the audience. Yeah. Like if you just excised the scene and then you have a scene of merit at the end with Marion instead of what they have. Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: That's the moment that's... to talk about Mutt.
1: I agree totally with you know? all of those changes, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh but, you know, I, I I like that Harrison Ford, you know, invests in the in yeah. the grief. He, in the grief,
0: in the moment. I think I I think I connected to this moment more on my first viewing and his performance of it and his performance of it, I still think is great. Yeah. But I recognized now that the scene doesn't need to be there.
1: Yeah. But the whole plot line for me doesn't need to be there either.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Um, and that was one of our predictions. that was right. We said, you Mutt feel was going, to be yeah. v- was going to be in Vietnam in that episode. Did, did we watch along? You did. Yeah.
0: Fantastic.
1: As soon as I heard it was set in 69, I was like, Oh, that's how Disney are going to kill off Mark. Mm-hmm. to sit, to satiate the fans thirst for blood <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's exactly what they did and they did and they did uh, snake phobia moment of the movie eels baby but, eels but with eels they look like snakes no they don't which I think is the same joke as Crystal Skull isn't it it's the same snake joke as Crystal Skull kind of It's call it a as rope. long as I don't as long as I don't think of them as snakes they're not snakes yeah which they're not snakes.
0: In point of fact.
1: In point of <laughs> Not snakes in point of fact. Yeah. Where the where is Oxley? Oh, John Hurt's dead, so it doesn't matter. Uh, where's his statue? Yeah. And, and then they go back to the, the the thing that didn't work in Temple of Doom which is the real time set piece.
0: Yes, that that's my note. I was three like, what, minutes. Why are you giving yourself this artificial 3-minute clock when you're going to go way over the 3 minutes?" Yeah, they go over it they go over it by a minute. I also don't like this idea of parachuting up so quickly in the water. I Dig think that's stupid. <laughs> I'm pretty I, as I understand it thanks to Jaws too. you can't rise too fast
1: <laughs> well, then, I don't think we could use that as the as a counterpoint can we? I, thought, I don't think you That's can just rise the blind that fast the blind. without causing some damage to your body to be fair it's only Antonio Banderas who we have no knowledge about like his his background, so we don't know whether he knows anything about diving or not. True, yeah, could just be his. He his... might have the bet He might have the bends, and then think that because he has the bends, right. <laughs> and obviously, I mean, just what this overlong movie needed was an underwater sequence. At this point, <laughs> so, your distaste of underwater. Must it's in must the tradition. Yeah, it's in the tradition. It's in the tradition of taking the both, you know, taking not just the best of Bond, but also the worst of it. Right. Eel strike is very underwhelming to look at. Yeah. I think even less so than Crystal Skull do they realize how ineffective creepy crawlies are going to look in CGI in this movie. Maybe. Well,
0: certainly in a scene coming up, more so, I think, even than the eels
1: the centipedes yeah yeah
0: and then again when they get back on like the boat, spielberg it's... just knows just get a bunch of bugs
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um it's the back on the boat it's pure pure eyes only it's like J- james <laughs> james Mangold. so james Mangold's relationship to james bond i think is different from lucas and spielberg i think he's the guy who watched early 80s roger moore bond movies on a loop on hbo <laughs> great and they they wuhan ronaldo yeah who is the character antonio banderas plays i had to yes, yes 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 again they've not learned their lesson of how to turn a cameo into a beloved character yeah you feel nothing when he dies and again I'm... wuhan had even less screen time and we still cared about him dying
0: well I'll, I'll save it for about two minutes, but the moment that comes up after this boat scene, man, addressing that specific issue, he's like, hey, a friend of mine just died. It's not the from says, The Simpsons, isn't it? Mom,
1: she, a man just died. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and Phoebe Waller-Bridge has to say, mm, sorry. So anyway... <laughs> But that's what happens when your movie's you know moving Douse, this that fast. That's the
1: artifact in booze and set yeah, on you, fire. Yeah, when your
0: movie's moving this fast between set pieces, and then it's yeah. so funny too because I get it. It's just kind of feels like a Phoebe Waller Bridge kind of you know pump up scene, like a little <laughs> little like something she had her hands on about her little ingenious speech where she gets to be funny. And smart, oh, and serious. and have a
1: stick of dynamite. It's just too much. Yeah. Chekhov's dynamite, Chekhov's lighter, Chekhov's booze. Yeah. Also, so it's like it's no fun to try and figure out a puzzle where you have no ability to guess the answers. Yeah. It's just like completely arbitrary. Everything is Jeopardy reverse engineered. <laughs> There's no way that you can play along as the viewer as to get as to like figuring out the puzzle. It's certainly no seven plus three equals ten. Equals ten.
0: (laughs) Well, and then on top of that, you know, I talked about the funky timing of these movies. So that stick of dynamite is going to hit what looks like the hull of this ship. They're going to get on their boat and speed away. Hmm. And then they're solving crimes. He's like. (laughs) Christ. <laughs> he's he's melting wax so that he can get his a dial within the dial or whatever the fuck is going on but uh, what's funny is this movie uh, it's made of uh,
1: wax and it feels heavy therefore I will burn therefore it with, I will douse it. it in alcohol and burn yeah. it
0: the inefficiency of the movie is shown bare when they speed away and there's this cutaway scene of Mads Mikkelsen with binoculars mm-hmm. going, nope, mm-hmm. they're going that way. Well, in the middle of the laser line map, he does Right. That. So it, so... Just let the map be the map. Right. <laughs> You're showing your disdain for the map a second time.
2: <laughs> you You're wait,
0: tinkering with the film's <laughs> only constant. You wait for over an hour to show the map and then show a second map just minutes later. Yeah. And then on top of that, isn't Mads Mikkelsen on a boat that should currently be sinking?
1: Sure. Well, if, if, you know, if they'd have, if they, if they'd have, uh, done with time travel what they should have done, it could have all been explained that, that he had to survive because it was a paradox. But anyway, they chose not to go there. Fine. Um. But and anyway, Cis- like the the timing thing
0: is all funky again because
1: they yep. leave them
0: in the dust, and the next thing you know, the kid is like, getting his ice cream cone on the streets
1: in and Sicily. Yeah.
0: Turns a corner on Cis- in Sicily, and there they are. Yeah. Boy, they cut up quick.
1: And it's really Godfather light Sicily, isn't it? Puppet it is totally. I festival. thought when they were doing that festival at the beginning, yeah. I th- I thought the same thought. It's just like again, it's. Lucas and Spielberg would never think of it because they're contemporaries of Coppola.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: and they work with him. It's like I'm not going to shit on this guy's doorstep. <laughs> James Mangold has no problem doing that. No. Nope. And when we get to the caves, again, I get that. I get that indie feeling. It's I like do. When too. they're walking into the caves, I'm like, look, feel, subject matter, all on point. And then they start singing. Yeah. They start, like, going, ba-ba-ba-ba, ba-ba-ba-ba. It's like, again, this is the auction scene all over
0: again. I guess the the part that I didn't like was that Indy joined. (laughs) Absolutely. When she went, ba-ba-ba-ba, I wanted to hear,
1: yeah, I wanted to hear, quiet, would you? What are you trying to get us in you know? Or he sings. I mean, maybe not anything goes, mind you. The number of Temple of Doom references, it wouldn't. But he sings some like some song that she doesn't know, or yeah, something. <laughs> anything other than what they do, something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this strange scene where they're climbing rocks and he starts. He, Blood he, of Kali. He let a bit. You know, I the guess the voodoo right, that, doll. That singing really opened opened up. You know, <laughs> opened him up because he's like. He references how he's been beaten down, how yeah. he's aging. He and then he's got he... screws
0: and plates in his body, which is to say nothing huh. of drinking the blood of Kali and having a voodoo doll of
1: you. Why does he mention those two events?
0: I I I think it's fantastic that all he remembers is from Temple
1: of Doom. I mean, it's almost arbitrary, isn't it? Yeah. Plus, those two events are back to back. Yeah. They're essentially the same memory. <laughs> the only thing I can think of is that Mangold is such a big Temple of Doom fan that he's like, you know, no one, no one has directly referenced Temple of Doom.
0: I don't think it can be that because you and I are the only fans.
1: Apparently, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first explicit reference to Temple of Doom in any of the sequels. Yeah, that followed it totally. But it's but it's very clumsily done, so you don't even get that satisfaction. Oh man. And this is where we find out that not only does Helena have her own short round, but she has a short round with exactly the same backstory as short round. The exact same story,
0: and what bothered me the most is there, there was no comment from Indiana.
1: I kind of like that. Really? But I like that because I didn't, want, I didn't want to hear the conversation that would result. Okay, yeah, you're probably I think, right. You know what? I think had this movie been made even like six months later... After K Kwan got all the currency the, in the media. Yeah. I think they would have gone and mentioned him. Yeah, you're right. But I think he's still a moot point when they were making this movie. Hmm. I think he would have I actually think he would have been in the movie, to be perfectly honest, had it been made six months later. Yeah. Um it would have been his boat. <laughs> Just right. full of elephants. <laughs> <laughs> Come meet all my best
0: friends. All my best friends. Oh mercy!
1: And there's a drawbridge as well. So this is like mm-hmm. this is like a Temple of Doom museum. This place yeah, and the totally. centipedes, centipedes, That's... and uh... it doesn't feel right that Helena would be scared of them after the car after. Well, uh... I, could
0: oh, this... I, don't... I could say the I could say the same for Indiana though.
1: Oh, well, absolutely the same for Indiana.
0: Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah how bothered he is by these ah! and since um, they're not
1: real it's hard for us to care <laughs> i quite i there was a this was mocked when it came out the line archimedes was interested in water displacement <laughs> but which again when you take it out of context yes it's a terrible line and it it doesn't explain anything but I I, lo- I I think it's a move in the right direction. This is more what I want from the movie. Him kind of solving puzzles. using. I do want him solving pu-
0: puzzles. I don't know why dropping three Rube Goldberg <laughs> screws. Because
1: everyone, ev- one thing everyone, even the stupidest person knows about Archimedes is the, the bath, right? Eureka. He puts the, he discovered water, dis- he put a mm-hmm I don't know what it was. Of, uh, I don't know why he put in the bath. He put something of weight in the bath, and then the bath spilled over, and he was right. like, aha, it works both ways. Eureka, even, which he says later in this movie. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, it's sort of like, uh, um, well, Andy Secunda calls schmuck bait. Schmuck <laughs> Sh- 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 bait. Sh- Sh- bait. And we get fantastic. another schmuck bait, we get another schmuck bait moment with the fucking <laughs> wristwatch. Wristwatch. Well, that clocks when clocks weren't invented, never mind watches. do yeah. they really think someone is in the audience who thinks that Archimedes lived in the age of watches? <laughs> do they really think we're that stupid do, do, does does Indiana believe that he has to explain that to helida that well that's that's a that's a completely different question and one that is equally as egregious, yeah um but there's a you know it's a booby trap element of it right it's again we talked about in crystal skull how the booby traps start to feel very generic yeah and this is and this is another very generic. and these feel the, the most generic slide.
0: yeah it turns totally.
1: into a water slide that's like there's this again it's the rideification of indiana jones totally. rather than than uh the Ch- chacha was it the chachakoyan temple from raiders which is what they're always mm. aiming for with the booby traps but yeah. never quite getting there if you I I haven't sat down and counted how many times the characters in this movie get captured and then escape and then get recaptured but I know it's got to be in the double digits. has to be. Somewhere between
0: 10 and 14 is my initial guess.
1: Yeah. Uh God it's weird like when like this is the thing where what works in a time travel film doesn't work here. Like the anachronisms of the, oh, look, the phoenix has propellers. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. It reads comically in a movie like this, where in a normal time travel film, you'd be like, well, it's, you know, that's part of the the paradox effect. Hmm. And then Indy gets shot, which kind of plays with the possibility that it, basically, it's it's the first time we ask the question, is he going to survive? Is he going to
0: die? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, given that he's 80 and he said he's not doing any more of these, I don't see why we can't just let him die. <laughs> 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 he says, I'm going to stay. And Helena says, you're right. Goodbye. Uh, I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. That's where they seem to be going with it. Mm hmm. Uh, who would have thought that Indy would have said, who would have thought, like, at the end of Last Crusade that, well, first of all, that there'd be two more Indiana Jones movies, mm-hmm. but also that, that that both of them would have Indiana Jones saying Ike? Because <laughs> <laughs> when he's on the plane, he's like, who are you going to assassinate? Yeah, Ike. Right. Churchill. Churchill, Ike. And he's so far away from being the hero of this film at this point when he's being dragged onto the plane. He's even more vulnerable than his father was when he was kidnapped. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and once Phoebe
0: Waller Bridge gets on her motorcycle and is performing Evil Knievel level stunts. Yeah. Not to mention Teddy, who's about to start I flying a
1: plane. I didn't even know his name was Teddy. Yeah, I believe I have that right. Yeah, you know, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. They say it enough times, like in yeah. every Lu- Disney Lucasfilm movie. But man, I it just, never, it uh, never, it never took. Yeah, I, you
0: know, when she's hanging on that trunk of that car, I said, "Oh, so she's Indy." And then we realize that Teddy is her short round. I'm, oh, she's really Indy. This is her temple mm. of doom. Yeah. And then
1: she's. <laughs> off that fucking airplane. Well, needless needless to say, these planes taking off looks terrible. I mean, we're back yeah. to this entirely fictional looking reality. That, and this is some this is an aesthetic that began in Crystal Skull, but this movie is kind of doubled down on. Well, which and makes to the it point of what interesting you... to yeah. me that this was supposed to be the antidote antidote to crystal skull to the point of of our okay. talking
0: about crystal skull we knew that i can't remember the guy you said that was on set that said yeah the effects just weren't ready
1: oh jw rinsley yeah the guy who wrote yeah. the making of books yeah
0: the effects are supposed to be ready by now they are yeah and they're not i,
1: I know i know <laughs> and it makes i mean he he <laughs> unfortunately j jw is now deceased so we can't ask him but It'd be interesting, so he never saw Dial of Destiny, but he'd be interested if he was like, oh, they were finished. They were just bad. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) We'll see. Um, Continental Drift. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's like this movie has to have a number of science facts in it, like it's a PBS special. Yeah, he says it like somebody would say Eureka. It reminds me of like you know PBS Kids. You get these shows that are ostensibly like like adventure shows, like Wild Kratts, but you got to throw in as many kind of nature facts as you can. Yeah. So that so that you can get the grant for education that PBS gives. <laughs> this is it feels like they're trying to get a grant from PBS, basically oh, like man. a grant for uh, for education. The the Millennium Falcon hyperdrive sands on the plane. <laughs> which we might as well bring on since we're essentially in a galaxy far far away far far away did you think so here's a question did you think they were really gonna go through with the going back in time when I first saw the movie
0: I thought to myself they're not going to do this are they <laughs> that's that was the question I kept asking myself
1: no and they want you to ask that question with the whole turning round thing no no no
0: yeah I guess so. But once they, you know, it's so funny too because, because they're, <laughs> it's, it's so, it's so ape shit because he tells yeah. them that he's wrong. Mads Mikkelsen seems to realize what Indy is saying must be true. Yeah. But once they get through the fissure, he's like, I did it. I am a genius. Dr. Jones and then of course it's revealed to be whatever it is uh what is it 214 214 mm-hmm. BC Syracuse
2: mm-hmm.
0: and i just remember thinking okay this is the biggest bullshit of all yeah. the bullshits <laughs> i think it's a i've seen bridge too
1: far yeah
0: and i guess it was more
1: the scope of it yeah, how I much agree. time, how much cool. money we're yep. spending mm-hmm. on it? I completely agree. Yeah, so when they when they arrive in the ancient past, yeah, to me this is the this is the real nuke the fridge moment of the series. <laughs> I mean, the movie's only been out for a few months, but I, I'm happy to say, wow, that movie really arrived in the ancient past on that one.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We this scope is exactly right because we had think about compare it to the other the past movies use of fantasy we had the grail knight and the aliens for a few minutes max yeah right this is half an hour of a half of, hour of time, of time bandits right I just rewatched time bandits and there's a whole section with like is it Archimedes or there's a Greek uh, ancient Greece bit isn't there In the ancient Roman Greece bit with Sean Connery Yeah, it's
0: like Agamemnon, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay.
1: Yeah. Also, just a side point, Nazi cannot be the punchline of every joke. You have to write a joke. You cannot rely on the word Nazi. (laughs) It's actually not funny unless you're Mel Brooks. Right. (laughs) Don't try being funny. Oh, that's because you're German. Yeah. Yeah. The parachute is my next note, Mm -hmm. which is an inversion of Temple of Doom. This time the plane has parachutes. Yeah. And then they kill the villain with 25 minutes to go in the movie. Actually, it's only 12 minutes because of a 30-minute credit sequence. But So
0: long, that credit
1: sequence. Yeah. Uh, but that's the climax of the movie, or has been traditionally when you kill off the villains, then the movie's over. hmm But not so. Not for this, this movie. No. <laughs> but I, movie. I think, again, I think... Now this a... Roman soldier is our villain yeah, for like a minute. For 10 seconds.
0: I think that's a byproduct of of how movies are made today, you know? That's the over-explaining, the over-long, the over-wrought. Okay, Voller's dead, but now we got to deal with this, you know? Mm. (laughs) We're introducing new characters. Or, you know, one new character and one character that's only been talked about.
1: Yeah. You know? And Phoebe Waller-Bridge, when she says... It makes sense that she's punched up some of the dialogue on, on this one, even though they brought in someone entirely different to do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Who did it for the Bond film that she did beforehand? She says, "I'm a fan." She says to Archimedes, "I'm a fan," and it struck me that she that in her punch up, she must have she puts in a lot of modern slang yeah. that almost creates another time travel problem yeah. in the movie. Right. I mean the. the of course, the main time travel problem of the movie is that the the movie is uh, playing, but time doesn't seem to be moving forward. But there's this this time travel problem of like she says fifty quid, and stuff that, I mean it's already British slang, but it's also British slang of a much later period in history. And I yeah. guess by her just punching up stuff on set, you add a whole different level of anachronism to your um, to your movie. Mm-hmm. And this is where the time travel. They 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 had a chance to make good on the time travel storyline, and they and they again they take it right up to the finish line, and then they walk it back. Which is this could have been full on bootstrap paradox, right? Where Archimedes never never created the dial of destiny. It was brought to him, but he was handed it as part of a paradox, alla Terminator Two. And this whole thing is is just one big time loop. Yeah. Which would have helped with the plausibility of this, you know... But well, they
0: make a point of showing that he's already building it. it make a he point... needs to
1: build his own one. Of Phoebe right? Waller-Bridge, they, yeah, give him the saying... ri- they go as far as giving him the wristwatch. Right. And him saying, you were always meant to meet me. And Phoebe Waller-Bridge saying it's a forced deck, because we've set up Chekhov's force deck in the mm-hmm. earlier scene, um, with her card trick. And then they, they blow it. Because if it's if it's the bootstrap paradox, then it's easy to believe him, because then Archimedes doesn't need to solve the riddle of time and space. He just needs to write down, you know, he just needs to interpret what he's got, like everyone yeah, exactly. else has yeah. in his own language. This movie doesn't even understand the conventions of the kind of movie they want to make.
0: I can't disagree. <laughs>
1: And they won't let Indy die with dignity. No. <laughs> he, I mean, what kind of a message does this send to like family members who are dealing with end of life, having end of life discussions with their <laughs> relatives?
0: You have to be punched into life.
1: That's it. Uh, the thing to do is to is to ignore the person's wishes, knock them out, and then carry them comatose to where they don't want to be. <laughs> And you know, the more I think about it, the more I like this alternate ending. Indy could've they could have turned into Indy into his own relic. Mm-hmm. And thematically cast Thematically up the it makes
0: sense for the character and for the series, doesn't it? Yeah.
1: But And given him a fitting death. Mhm. But now she punches him in the face and uh... Takes him back to Marion. Yeah, and, and we repeat the shot as if time is repeating itself, which it's not. <laughs> Last minutes of the movie, we're still trying to make time travel happen. <laughs> and then uh, this is this is the moment at which James Mangold remembers, oh, this is supposed to look a bit old Hollywood. I remember <laughs> that from the previous movie. Steven Spielberg always did something like that. So let's start to like enclose the screen in a circle. Oh, So you see that the, the corners of the screen start to turn turn into like a... An old-fashioned curved spot. Yeah. Hook. Um, I, I I honestly didn't
0: remember that from the first viewing, and what happened when I was watching
1: it for this one, I I said, "Well, now you're gonna try and make yeah, this into right, yeah, you know." And it should be something that, and and if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, it should be something that looks like the late '60s or early '70s, right? Not something that looks like the 1920s.
0: And it goes back to your theory that really the hat is the star now.
1: Yeah. Well, so we get, you know, the surprise cameo of Marion, mm-hmm. which they did pretty well to keep a secret. I think through pre pre publicity, I didn't know about it going into the movie. I I knew when I started watching the movie it was going to happen. I knew before. Okay. Yeah. I did not. And that we're now in this blended family. Mm -hmm. Which, she includes Salah's grandchildren. Yes, right. (laughs) Which, I again, I feel like that's a bit of an imposition. I don't feel like Indy ever agreed to take on Salah's grandchildren. (laughs) I brought you to the US, but the idea was that you'd make your own life. (laughs) (laughs) Just stay away from the bad dates. And, you know, I I can't help but thinking they reversed-engineered the separation storyline because they knew... She was willing to come back and do a cameo, Yeah Yeah. And why they killed off Mutt Not simply because Shia LaBeouf didn't want to come back But they don't want anything to do with him Right Or the character And when Sala comes into the room He's doing an audiobook version of the Raiders of the Lost Ark I know, yeah (laughs) Which I would love to hear in its entirety John (laughs) Reese davis Tells Tells the Raiders story From Sala's perspective I'd love that And he sings Gilbert and Sullivan as he goes out. And Mm -hmm. then Marion and Indy go into the boat scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark. So,
0: the first time I watched this, my first thought was, eliminate all of that. Yes. And this should really be the only scene in which they talk about Mutt. But if you're going to bring back something from Raiders, I would have preferred... Her saying something to the effect of, you you quit, you left me. And Andy protesting, you're the one that left me. And
1: she's talking about emotionally, and he's talking about quit. physically. Yeah. And essentially, you know, historically, this is where the crystal skull matters. It's like, you left me, I left you. Let's call it quits. Yeah. <laughs> We've each done it once now. <laughs> yeah. But to me...
0: If you're going to bring back a line from Raiders, at that moment, I'd rather her say something to the effect of, don't you ever leave me again. I'm your goddamn partner. Mm. I like that better.
1: Yeah. So I have an, (laughs) unsurprisingly, I have an alternative here as well, which actually doesn't involve any rewriting. It just involves editing. I would have cut the, the reenactment. Mm-hmm. and ended it with him with um, with Harrison Ford saying everything hurts mm. and I really thought when I first saw the movie that they were going to leave it at that and I was so happy for about ten seconds before they started to go it. Where she picked the, the elbow, and... her elbow, and I went, "No, nah. no, you had it, you had it right there." Yeah, because because not only is that like you can read in a callback to Raiders of the Lost Ark in there, but you don't have to. Mm-hmm. It could just be indeed. Just could be 80 year old Indiana Jones going, no, everything hurts. I mean, there's no (laughs) distinction between one part of my body hurting and the other. It would have been lovely. And he delivers it so well. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like... (sighs) Then, because after that, you get into the problem of, why does this conversation mean so much to these two people in world? Yeah, It definitely doesn't mean as much as it does to us. No, I don't even believe that these two would remember that this happened. Absolutely. At this point in their lives, after all they've been through, mm-hmm. there was another way to go. Uh, go about that, but you, you know, that low-hanging fan service fruit. Yeah, and it was probably how it came out. Like, hey, this scene's a little bit like uh, the scene. You know, we could lead into He's been we'll be shot. In. He's probably hurting. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's, uh, the, and then the circle. Well, that yeah, but um, before that, I when when Salah when modern day John Reese Davis, as Salah runs around. Mm-hmm. He does it like a man who was pretending to be a monster, and his body got locked in that position, and now <laughs> he's like that forever. <laughs> yeah, the hat. So yeah, you're. I mean, the hat has won, right? It's one. It's one the <laughs> it's day. Won the- it's now won the battle for representing Indy over Harrison Ford. Yeah. The next the next Indiana Jones movie is just going to be a hat <laughs> <laughs> walking around going on adventures. The but Invisible again, like, Man as yeah. Indiana Jones' hat. And the circle ending is like, you know, a, a director who doesn't really know old movies but thinks he does. Mm-hmm. And I... Uh, what when when Lucas does it in the prequels it's kind of like it because we're looking back at we know it's like an that's the i we we can do that on iMovie now right? We can do that editing wipe on iMovie Yeah but it's different for so Star Wars because special. of how those movies are edited throughout so. Yeah and he's calling back to the 1930s of it all Sure But it doesn't make sense doing that in a movie set in 1969 Yeah Although, I guess in Mangold's mind, it's like, well, this brings the series back to the 1930s. But it does. But in... In In contrast
0: to the whole rest of the movie you just made.
1: Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. Well. And he grabs the hat back. So, again, it's the buyback. Yeah. Right, 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 right. It's the taking the hat from Mutt moment Mm -hmm. again. So why do they refuse to make this this resignation happen? On screen. Yeah.
0: <laughs> We're not going to uh, kill him. PS, I'm taking my hat back.
1: I'd love it if they just made the, the choice at this moment to recast it with Tom Selleck.
0: <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, try and whittle down the 13,000 minutes of
1: yeah, I, 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 it's not—they're not as interesting as you think. Thirty minutes of credits might be. Okay. <laughs> that set—that only makes sense to us in this podcast. Uh, it's the only indie film where the credits don't begin while the movie's still running. Mm. So we're still upending conventions. Uh, it's also got the Bond problem of rehiring writers from films you want to get away from. So rehiring oh, David yeah. Cope, who yeah. wrote the Crystal Skull screenplay. And also the Bond problem of hiring Je- Jez Butterworth to punch up your script, <laughs> who was the guy who was hired to punch up the script of Spectre. Okay. Which, uh, as we know, did not work. Which is interesting, because then Phoebe Waller-Bridge does that job on No Time to Die. Uh, and apparently on this movie. And it's just so interesting that David Coke got away from that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, got away with that. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the billing is nonsensical, but it's done... Differently from Spielberg's legacy actors who have way too high billing for their cameos. (laughs) Uh, Stella McCartney designed Phoebe Waller-Bridge's Morocco costume. Oh, okay. Um, So that's two generations of McCartney involved in this movie. Yeah. Visual effects by important-looking pirates. What? Whatever this in-joke is, is completely lost on me. What? I bet (laughs) these guys... I guarantee that is a red flag that these guys are not easy to communicate with. (laughs) Horses provided by the Devil's Horseman.
0: That must be be some sort of computer company.
1: (laughs) Well, it also sounds like you're going to get a horse guaranteed to fuck you up. (laughs) Right. Hey, our star is 80, so (laughs) (laughs) just look out. Uh, they they uh, have the credits for the ice cream song. You scream, ice cream, you all scream for mm-hmm. ice cream. I like to think John, John Reese Davis just improvised that and they ended up having to pay for a license for it because <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't cut it out of the movie. That's my final note. All right. Final credit check. Should we talk about? Ranking,
0: or you want to save it for the next episode? Like, let us think yeah, about let's it save some it f- more.
1: Yeah, I think this episode is long enough. We can. All right. Yeah, because that, then that allows us to, to let the second viewing sink in. I got to ruminate a little bit. All right. Uh, well, there okay. you have it
0: Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, the movie that was <laughs> made to apologize for Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Did it? That's the question we have for you, so you're going to have to let us know. Oh, boy. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Instagram. Don't find us on X. It doesn't mark the spot. Still doesn't Still mark the Still doesn't mark the spot. Agreed. You can send an email to everythingsequel at gmail dot com. All right. When you hear us next time, we will be pitching sequels. You'll find out our final rankings. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Tom's For Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, Michael Schantz here of the How Dare You Awards. We'll be back.
1: Say goodbye, Tom. What about my dicky knee? <laughs> Old-timey British slang. Who is the audience for this film? I don't know. <laughs> is this the reason why no one <laughs> had bad box office? <laughs> it was aimed at a person that doesn't exist. That's great. All
0: right. We'll be back. Thanks for listening.